begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, for Outer Rim transmission number 64. This week, we have a special guest. We are joined by Matthew from the Ion Cannon Podcast and Ben. So, first off, what's going on, Matthew? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do with the Star Wars fandom? I know you're a familiar face on the channel. We were at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. We had a great time collaborating on a couple uh, pieces of content on, on both our platforms. So, how's everything, man? Pretty good, pretty good. I uh, for so I'm in the the Culture Slate Network, the Ion Cannon podcast. Definitely focusing on comics and novels, and uh, yeah, a little bit of video games. But also, you know, if we want to talk about Kenobi, because Kenobi's canon. If we want to talk about Empire Strikes Back, Empire Strikes Back is canon. So, and even in a bit of Legends, if we want, and lore. Big focus on the High Republic. So, Chris, thank you for coming on uh, my massive High Republic Phase One recap uh, we did a few months ago. And uh, yeah, just looking onward and upward. Little plug. I'll do the plug right now, and we can do another plug a little later. Uh, this Monday, we're for just gives you an example of what we do. Uh, this Monday, we're talking all about the Crimson Rain crossover event and getting uh, Doc Holocon, our, our friend Doc Holocon, in to help talk about that. So, uh, anything especially to do with with the novels and comics, we'll focus on. Uh, you know, I won't say, yeah, I mean, I mean, more than a lot of folks, but not necessarily more than you or either of you guys. Uh, you know, you know, you can see some of the novels back here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and 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 yeah, a completist when it comes to the the Marvel comics, especially. <laughs> oh yeah, I have. Yeah. I just picked up my comics literally like two hours before the show shot because the store was right. running a little bit late getting them. So that's how yeah. diehard I am, especially knowing that you were going to be on the show today. I was like. <laughs> I, you asked me before about the comics, and you're like, oh, the yeah. tractor view was like 18 minutes long. And uh, your show is usually like four or five minutes long, because we usually have <laughs> roughly the same amount of time when we film our things, or you, right. you record, and I film them, and it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I got to do that tomorrow at some point. <laughs> there we go. Four comics in a row. <laughs> yeah, so just to clarify, yeah, so the for, for those who don't know, so the tractor beam is kind of my four or five minute per book uh, segment on, on Spotify audio only. Joel Davis and I have uh, an hour-long show every Mondays, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, of our at Ion Cannon pod. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, then the, the Tractor Beam Comics Reviews, inspired by your comics reviews, the little bite-sized. But yeah, you're right, this week it was four different comics, which is, which, it ties the record. That's got to tie the record, right? For, uh, for yeah, releases in a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. And um, it was fun. <laughs> Yeah, so we are joined by Jesse Bennett, who is also at Star Wars Celebration, as well as Joel Davis at Star Wars Celebration. Because this is gonna be like a little like post mortem Star Wars Celebration conversation <laughs> or something going on here. So welcome everybody to the chat. And as you all know, or if you're new, uh, we go live every Friday around this time, around nine o'clock Eastern, and we have this in a downloadable form for anybody listening on the go for your favorite podcast catchers. We are Outer Rim Transmission. You can. Um, Find us there somewhere on the internet. Uh, ben, what's going on with you? I know you said something about you were like Anakin Skywalker at some point earlier <laughs> on in the week. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, well, it's been an interesting week for me. I, As uh, everyone knows, you know, especially if you watched last week's podcast, you saw I was at Virginia Beach. And I got completely fried like Anakin did on Mustafar. Like I was... I was so badly fried, I could I could barely move. Like, I couldn't put my hands above my head, couldn't turn my head left or right. Like, my whole back, shoulders, arms, 
my hands were swollen and everything. Like, that's how bad I was burned. So, yeah, I felt like Anakin this weekend. And, you know, all I needed was pretty much the Darth Vader suit. And I would have been I would have been good to go to hop right in the Vader role. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Did you, like, just not use lotion suntan lotion <laughs> oh yeah yeah no, i know i i use i use suntan lotion i you know i had relatives remind me they they you know every every half hour 40 minutes whatever you know and, and it wasn't even that bad that's the crazy thing it was only like 80 degrees on the beach so it wasn't even that hot and uh yeah i just got completely fried so it was uh <laughs> it was pretty painful to say the least i didn't sleep for a few days i would say because you know every which way i moved it was just like extremely painful and it was uh, it was pretty bad. So I'm glad the sunburn's pretty much going gone away now. So I'm starting to feel better, and uh, yeah, now I'm just ready to talk some Star Wars. Isn't there that meme going around like the the rare, medium rare, the steak, uh, medium, and then uh, you're the chosen one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. that's definitely what I what I became over <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> oh man, oh man, so. As we do every week, we talk about any kind of Star Wars influence we had um, for that given week. I'm going to throw this one uh, to Matthew. Uh, what was your week in Star Wars like? Did you do anything cool? Any interesting conversations? Anything you've seen? What's going on with Star Wars with you, man? Oh, yeah, I, I reminisced about Star Wars Celebration. No, I uh, uh, Just last night was the uh, Mysterious Galaxy, I believe is a bookstore in oh. San Diego, I believe, and they put on a, uh, a virtual event, Kristen Baver interviewing Adam Christopher on Shadow of the Sith and uh, some really in-depth, mm. interesting conversations there. Uh, Kristen Baver had, you know, had a bit of trouble with the internet gods, but uh, she, she definitely fought through and, and Adam Christopher being up at three in the morning down in New Zealand, uh, giving some nice insights about his, his new novel that we are, I believe, going to talk about later. But yeah, uh, definitely enjoyed that. I asked a question about connections with the Greg Pak comic Ooh. and uh, especially with Exegol and he gave a great answer about how thinking about how Palpatine has probably developed this plan and uh, the Sith fleet for decades now and so those little tidbits that, that events like this that celebration was able to give but also thankfully we're still having these virtual events as well. Yeah, we were in that panel with, with Adam Christopher yeah. as well as Mike Chen and the other author, I forget her name, for the upcoming Scoundrel yeah. of the Princess, uh, Princess Scoundrel. Not the Lara Dawson. Beth was, Revis. Beth Revis, yeah. She she couldn't make yeah. it, but that was cool. We got a lot of insight mm -hmm. there and it was it was a lot of fun again going to those going to those panels again. You have the, the, mm -hmm. I have the whole playlist on the channel if you guys want to know anything about celebration. I have like over ten videos, not even exaggerating on in that <laughs> playlist. I was busy that weekend. But um yeah, it's really cool getting the insights, getting those videos. I think I watched one about um Timothy Zahn talking about the Thrawn novels. So it's pretty cool when they do the, the deep dives, but you know, it's like okay, the book came out, please don't spoil it for me. That's why I'm like I'd rather watch that after I'm done reading the book, but yeah, it's good to hear that it's pretty good. And you got your answer question, uh, your your question answered. That was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. And and lastly, I just got to say, it's nice that they're still doing those virtual events, even as celebration is in full swing, even as all these cons are happening, and we can, you know, all those the folks down in Southern California still getting all the perks. Well, you can still have some uh, uh, you know, some virtual events online connecting New Zealand to. Uh, San, the Bay Area, where I think uh, Kristen Baver and, and the Lucasfilm offices are, to me here in Toronto and everywhere. So uh, glad that 
we're still keeping those around. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to more cons and in-person events. But and, and you know, anime, I gotta shout out to the 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 event uh last week at Scotiabank Theater, the Kenobi event uh here in Toronto that uh that you know that it's not this week, but <laughs> um <laughs> those kinds of events are still happening as well. And and we're having both and, and we're we're going to this pri- hybrid model. And so yeah, that's uh yeah, it was a fun, fun time. That that's the awesome thing, right? Is we have the know-how and the technology of been able to do both now. So yeah. there's really so much access to the creators more than we've ever had before, both in person and online. So great stuff, great stuff going forward. Ben, while you're on vacation, did you see like any cool Star Wars collectible shops or anything like that when you were out and about at Virginia Beach? <laughs> um not not really it was more just sitting on the beach the entire time <laughs> for the most there part but uh but when it comes to star wars like see i uh you know we got back monday night late into tuesday so i actually had an interesting weekend star wars in terms of um discussion on twitter with some other fans which you know twitter can can be an interesting place to discuss star wars not these days so mm-hmm. uh i uh i tweeted i think you might have saw my post earlier or my post in the week so I think, you know, I, I got really thinking about it, like on, on our flight home, you know, throughout the week. I was like, man, I really believe, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of, um, I would say, not lazy, creative, but like almost missed opportunities for all of these shows. Like I'm so burnt out, honestly, on the generic one, one, like one name character title, like Andor, Kenobi, yeah. The Mandalorian even. The Book of Boba Fett, like, or I guess Book of Boba Fett's a little bit different, but yeah. I mean, you know, I had someone tweet me and say, oh, Skeleton Crew, which, you know, that's why I didn't include that in, the, in that uh, post. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you have these, even Solo, for example, like you have these these titles where they're just the character name. And to me, I think even if you're going to do just the character name, at least give an interesting subtitle. Like for my my uh, example, I wrote down on my notes for, for uh, this uh, specific segment was what if they would have named the Kenobi show, for example, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the path. So you mm. could use the path many different ways. Like you could use it um, for Kenobi's journey through the show, Vader's journey through the show, the literal path system they have. Plus you could use it for Reva's character arc. Plus you could use it for heck, even the grand inquisitors path through the show. Like you could use it for a myriad of things in the show mm-hmm. And it's just like, I think that was a big missed opportunity on Kenobi. And I just I just feel like, honestly, there's so many creative people at Lucasfilm. Like, it's almost like they're resting on their laurels where it's like, eh, the people will watch it. If we name it Kenobi, they'll come. It, it, we don't have to get creative on a subtitle or anything. Or even Andor. Like, what if it was like Andor uh, hyphen Rise of the Rebellion or something? Or, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just something like that. And to me... Like, I just think when you have all of these creatives on hand, it's like, I wish, I, I just wish, you know, it would, you know, they would um, make the titles a little more creative. That's why I was so excited about the Skeleton Crew title, because it's something mm-hmm. we don't even know about. Like, it's totally brand new. It's interesting, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, heck, even the Ahsoka show, like, 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 come on, Dave Filoni, like, give us a subtitle. Yeah. Like, you, you, you know, just, I, I just wish they would go, uh, like, the little bit step further on you know, creating an interesting subtitle for these shows. It all 
feeds into the algorithm, man. I think that's all yep. it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like that's, literally that's people... Well, when you think about it, right? When you have like a long, drawn-out title of something, when people are just having a casual water cooler conversation the Thursday after the, it releases, they're going to just abbreviate as short as I can. And if it's a show about yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, they're going to just say, hey, what'd you think about Kenobi? What'd you think about Andor? What'd you think about it? So, mm-hmm. like, they want it, they're, they're already feeding into our minds, um, the people that are <laughs> developing sure. the titles. Like, all right, they're going to just call it this anyway. Let's just keep it mm-hmm. straight and simple. And I think that's really what it comes down to, as well as, like, just the internet algorithm of it all. Oh, yeah, that yeah. that's definitely what it comes down to. And, like, the algorithm, of course, I'm just saying from a greedy star wars fan standpoint like i think that i think it's better to have a title like versus just a generic name like what if we would have went to like a new hope and the movie would have just been named luke like (laughs) okay okay we'll we'll go with that we'll go with that or or you know in episode five oh wait luke part two part three (laughs) i mean mean, that's that's or ray part one two three for the the sequel it's like you know you know that that's like my point with that but I just, uh, yeah, I totally get, especially nowadays, like with the algorithm, you know, of course you give the hashtags for all of these shows, hashtag Ahsoka, hashtag Kenobi, hashtag Andor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It makes perfect sense. It's just, it's just annoying, you know? It's like, come on, be, be a little creative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the best, the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm going to say, you know, the trick is to think of something creative that also works with the hashtag, works with the algorithm. Yep. So the bad batch. I mean, yep. it, it, it's alliterative. It rhymes, but it, you know, it's not Clone Force ninety nine. It's not this ragged group of clones or whatever. Uh, it's the bad batch, which is their nickname in universe. But uh, you know, that one really works well. Here's the funny thing: with you talk about Obi Wan, the show is called Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, uh, but we all say Kenobi. Even how would you say Kenobi? You know, even though he, like, the irony, of course, is yeah. he wants to know, be known. He doesn't want to be even known by as Kenobi. He wants to be known as Ben because <laughs> that's got to be in hiding. But uh, for us, right, it's it's hashtag Kenobi, and you even got the little little emoji that automatically pops up. So, yeah. I, you know, Ben, I definitely get your point. I mean, you, we all we all want that, especially that the point about Luke. That'd be weird. Um, you know, <laughs> where, where do you think of something like? And we'll, the show we had, like Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was a cool... That was I really like that title, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. Best name so And of far. course, unfortunately got cancelled and folded into yep. The Mandalorian somewhat, but yep. yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Yeah, so going over what I was doing with Star Wars, it was something I mentioned a little bit earlier, and it's just I don't usually read the comics at home. So, full transparency, I, I, I'm lucky enough that my comic store is on the way to work. So every Wednesday, I just get to work a little bit earlier. I, I basically wait in the parking lot for the store to open. So basically, I start like an hour before. I, I get to the comic store. It opens at 11. I start work at 12. So I just like pull into my works parking lot. And I just flip through the comics real quick. Um, but anyway, they didn't get the comics in on time. So I was like, oh, darn it. There's so many of them, too. Um, but I was able to get them today. And something that I used to do when I was working my other job would I pick them up after my other job and bring them home and listen to Star Wars music as I was reading the comics. So that was something I haven't done in literally years. So I just turned <laughs> on um, uh, just the random best of Star Wars tracks on Spotify, and I just sat here in my room just flipping through the comics at a nice leisurely pace because, you know, when I'm having to go to work, I have to kind of read through them pretty quickly, and I'll go back and read them later when I get home. But it was still kind of cool to, like, 
be more immersed, you know, in Star Wars, like with that actual music in the background playing. Do you ever do that, Matt? No, I've never done that. Probably because I'd be all, oh, well, which which soundtrack do I pick? I don't know what the story <laughs> is. I think I think it might distract me, but I might try it. You know, I might try it for a reread. That that I might try doing. I do need total silence when I'm for my first yeah, go. I, but I, I, I agree. I agree. I'm a total silence person yeah. too. When it comes to reading, like I just can't have anything on. I just need to just just laser in focus when I'm reading something like that. <laughs> but it's a it's a fun idea. I, I might, you know, especially like with audiobooks, for example. They, yep. I mean, it's a bit different. But the, I mean, the, we all know the production quality on those audiobooks. So, yeah, maybe yeah, I'll I'll give it a go and let you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See what happens. So we have a couple of people in the chat talking. Uh, we got this person. Uh, thanks for joining. First time watcher. It looks like we have Delaney. Just started playing Fallen Order for the for the new game. So excited. Oh, so they have not played Fallen Order, the greatness of Fallen Order, which is Ooh. what I conceive as one of the best Star Wars do games. They, easily do they know made. the story? Do they know how it goes? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can't wait for Jedi Survivor. Got announced yeah. at, at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim and... Um, it's supposed to be coming out, I think, maybe even possibly in the first couple months of 2023. So, there you go. Uh, we have Ross yeah. saying Stranger Things Season 4 is way better story and better acting over the Kenobi series. We'll get into it, but I might have to agree. I might have to agree um, with that so far. I haven't watched all Stranger Things, but I'm, I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, I do... I was going to say, I was going to throw in there, guys. I do have one more quick weekend Star Wars as well. I forgot to mention. Um, so, today, my... I, uh, I have some cousins in Germany, and my cousin, she sent me a video, uh, so she's like 37, 38 years old, and her and her son, who's uh, my younger cousin, who's about 13 or 14 now, he, uh, he challenged her to a lightsaber duel today nice. with, my, with my old lightsabers that I, you know, I gave him back when he was a kid, and she's mm -hmm. like, recognize these, and they were, they were my old like lightsabers from Revenge of the Sith, like the Obi-Wan and Anakin one, and you know, they had the, they had the Revenge of the Sith, like, uh, the Mustafar duel music, the Battle of the Heroes music playing, mm -hmm. and everything, and and it it was hilarious just seeing them, you know, just go at it fighting. And my my younger cousin, of course, he was taking it more seriously, and he like whacked <laughs> my older cousin with the lightsaber, and she's like, no. "Whoa, stop!" <laughs> but uh, it was it was pretty funny, like getting a video like that. I'm like, man, my old lightsabers mm -hmm. from like tw almost 20 years ago are still holding up. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's man. great. Yep. Just to um, throw that in there real quick. <laughs> so, so Matthew, let's talk about the comics, man. Mm -hmm. Let's just take a, like a larger approach to the comics. Um, you mentioned yeah. about the Crimson Rain with Doc Holocron you're going to have on your channel pretty soon coming up. I voiced my opinions uh, pretty recently. on. Uh, we'll talk about Crimson Rain for a second here. Mm -hmm. About Crimson Rain, I feel like right. it was a little bit lacking in my eyes. I, I feel like not much happened. It, it, was, a, it was a little set up, but it didn't really do a whole mm -hmm. lot for me to like push the story forward and i'm really like excited for where it goes in the hidden empire but it i think it could have left off at least with issue, issue number five with a little bit more of a bang um so what, what's your overall thoughts on, on crimson rain with the storytelling of the crimson dawn with mm -hmm. kira between the events of empire and return yeah i mean just preparing for monday just this afternoon going through the whole story yeah it was a lot a lot of setup and I mean, uh, kind of. The, I titled the, the tractor being, or no, I didn't title the tractor. I titled the the episode this coming Monday of like Kira Strikes Back. But yeah, yeah you're right. It didn't have the let's say the bombshells, uh, at least from what my perspective, 
that we were maybe expecting. We were maybe expecting, uh, especially with the flagship comic by by Charles Soule and Stephen Cummings. I think we were expecting this big, great reveal mm. uh, of something to happen. And Wait, it was there was. Just, there is a big uh, reveal for me. Okay, fair enough. We can get into it. But, I mean, but <laughs> you know, I mean, well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious to, to hear what you think. But what it was, I found, what, and just looking at all the stories um, you know, that, that were going on in the whole crossover, it's a lot of consolidation. The, mm -hmm. the story is a lot of whittling down of different actors. So, for example, in Bounty Hunters, this may be what you're getting at here, it gets whittled down to Tonga versus Vakora. And, uh, and of course, we find that, find out that Cadelia is not just a part of... This is all spoilers. We're getting into spoilers. Just letting you know. <laughs> I mean, I hope that's okay. They know um, I spoil everything with the comics on the okay, channel already, okay. so I'm all sure right. they're fine. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like, with, with... So, it gets whittled down, really, between Tonga and Vakora... And we find out that Cadelia is is not just uh, on the Vermilion with Kira. Kira's kind of taking her under her wing and actually mentoring her a little bit. Yeah. Who knows how trustworthy that is? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what's happening. What what Kira's plan is. Um, but a lot again, a lot of consolidation whittling down there. Even with the main Star Wars comic, uh, you have everything going with with uh, Team Dameron and. Leia and Zara, the Tarkin protege, uh, of course, that whole her Zara's whole fleet gets taken out. Yeah, in part because Kira wants chaos and to sow chaos, but mm -hmm. uh, you know the the focus is primarily for that on on Leia and the fleet being free. Then I think to mass near Solus and then make an assault on Endor. But oh. that I mean that's another thing we need to keep in mind. Then is you know I wonder if they were they're really saving. I mean, clearly, yes, they are saving the big beats for Hidden Empire. Even then, they still have to save the biggest of beats for Return of the Jedi because, you know, that's the space they're writing in. So, yeah, I, I get why people were disappointed, you know, going into it. We wanted, wanted this, the kind of big bang, big reveals that, you know, maybe we got a little bit in War of the Bounty Hunters. We've definitely gotten in previous comics. I mean, definitely in, in you know, Charles Soule's Darth Vader run, in Greg Pak's Darth Vader run earlier on. Um, you know, both everything to do with Attack of the Clones and everything to do with with Sabe specifically. Uh, you know, I yeah, I I'm I'm okay with you know, like it's like yeah, I, I get it. Again, it's kind of this okay, whatever. But I'm okay with it being okay, whatever. You know, um, I, I've come around to it. You know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the biggest reveal for me was you know Prince Zuzor becoming canon. So <laughs> it's just like yes. <laughs> God damn trapped. Sure, sure. Woo! <laughs> I mean, in those little little details, little things, I mean, for me, uh, number three, issue number three was, was mind-blowing. I mean, you have... So here's a bit of my own background. Um, you, you have uh, the first legit theologian in Star Wars. And by that, I mean oh, a yeah. professor studying an aspect of the Force. You have the, the archivist, uh, Madeline Sun, Sava Madeline Sun. So yep. that's, I mean, one of the things that this this run was able to do where those little especially the flagship run was able to do those little moments of reflection right we have that two-page spread of uh the jedi temple even starlight beacons in there and reflecting on why the galaxy turned against the jedi and uh, joel and i actually did a whole end up doing a whole episode on just that comment because it's worth it's worth reflecting on it's worth and uh, i'm not to, to plug myself too hard but it, just i mean that the type of things to stop and reflect on those things and to bring Prince Caesar in, um, 
Yeah, I I, I, was, I appreciated the way Charles Soule was able to play with the pacing and the, the timing. Now, in retrospect, I think once we get Hidden Empire, and this is the way Star Wars often works, right? Uh, Rebels, uh, I'll, I'll make my point and then I'll say what I mean by with Rebels. Uh, once we get Hidden Empire, I think we're going to be able to look back and say, okay, we're satisfied with the fact that this was all this setup now that we got the payoff. And, I mean, I trust Charles Soule to do setup and payoff. Just like I trusted Dave Filoni, this is my point with with Rebels, especially season four. Um, there, you know, a lot of episodes we thought were the F word filler. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, but they weren't right. There's no such thing as filler really in Star Wars. It's always going to lead somewhere. Yeah. So even if it's I, not again right away. To, to get your point, but I, I'm okay with yeah these little moments. I mean, I like put us. I like the structure of it. It just need a little bit more bang. Like, I, like I like how the first issue, every issue has to do with somebody that's being a part of her plan. Uh, mm-hmm. Those, the the women bounty hunters, I forget they're the orphans. You had the orphans going out, oh, yeah. doing the stuff. Then you had, then you had somebody else going out causing chaos. Oh, <laughs> it, was it was it Boosh? No, it wasn't. That was yeah, another Boosh. There with the uh, tag, dominant tag. The tag. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you got this other group called the Knights of Ren. Yeah. Oh, that that was cool. I know Joel Davis in the chat is saying that was his favorite issue, and I yeah. I think that's also that's my favorite fun. issue because it definitely sheds more light on them and how they use the shadow, and you have the, the actual leader of the Knights of Ren and, and what his persona is. But as we look to the future of, of Hidden Empire, do you believe, because I, I think it's still possible now, I was really expecting to see a, a crossover between live action and this, and I really thought they were pivoting Kira to be at the end of Book of Boba Fett. It's like a after credit thing or something with Crimson Dawn. Do you think mm-hmm. now that she hasn't appeared today? Do you think they might actually kill her off in these comics for the last, the last uh, run of those Crimson Reign, which you know the Hidden Empire in October? Yeah. I mean, everything that's implied at the beginning of of Crimson Reign number one, with you know, the Archivist being very dour, and this is the end, and after the fall or language yep. like that. You know, it really does hint to something. I hope not, because I love her so much, love Kira so much. But it'll be, I mean, all that to say that if it does happen, it'll be hugely impactful. I mean, one thing to say is uh, you can't go, she she wants to go up against a certain Darth Sidious and Darth Vader, the Dark Lords of the Sith. And, you know, uh, not even Luke Skywalker could actually do that in that way. You can't actually go against the Sith and live. Um, Ray ends up finding a way to turn Sidious' power against himself, um, mm-hmm. and that you know, and Luke does too. Luke and Anakin do too at the end there, but uh, I don't think that's what Kira's plan is. Kira's trying to take the ascendant power and the underworld power and 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 launch it at <laughs> the Sith, and we can, we can have a good guess as to how well that'll go. Mm-hmm. But again, it'll it'll be terrible. It'll it'll be sad. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, they have this challenge ahead of them is to say, this is likely what's going to happen. Here's how to still make it impactful and, and make us feel it. And I, again, I trust Charles Soule to do that. I trust, uh, I trust Stephen Cummings and all the other artists to be able to do that. Um, so, or, or whoever's, I forget who's doing, I don't know who's doing the art for Hidden Empire, but um, no, they, I mean, if you're working with Charles Soule, then you're going to be able to, going to, be infused with something special. So uh, the, the, the artistic secret sauce. So, yeah, I mean, she might find a way out. She might find a way to transform 
um, probably not the way Afro transformed. <laughs> but, Let's talk about you know. that. I was actually going to mention that. What, what do you think yeah. about like how far flung Dr. Afro is at this point? I mean, we've always known that that character story is, is always a bit wacky and wonky. Um, yeah. But now to be basically resuscitated as a possessed demon that has the power of the <laughs> Sith or something yeah. like that, it's... Yeah, no, Ben, it's it's kind of going crazy <laughs> right now. Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked into Doctor Afra as of late, so that's that's uh, news to me. That's very interesting. Chelly, I'm telling you, yeah. it's Chelly. So here's the thing: is uh, is it early in this reign or run, or maybe it was uh, towards the end of the Kieran Gillen Doctor Afra run? She was getting into kind of i think kind of boring underground underworld stuff i don't know she was getting in part of the not boring but the rebellion yeah. and whatever you know and i'm like oh, get her back into the weird get let, let's let's find let's go back to these uh this this horde of force spores or whatever call you know <laughs> let's let's go into go into the uh the order of Spectre or whatever or the ascendant and i'm so glad that we're that she's taken back to what makes you know the uh, Doctor Afra story so special, so unique, so beloved? Um, maybe a bit of a metaphor, somewhat to uh, you know, she, I mean, her herself has disaster lesbian kind of thing going on with all the relationships that she ends up ruining and people that she ends up hurting, but also because she's so out there and so ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I I love it. So I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, what I'm glad about is they did it. It was the the last panel in issue number twenty. Yep. Issue twenty one, they pick it up immediately, and hopefully, you know, and and this isn't the end of the run. They're gonna look at the implications of this, especially at that last panel where, or the last few pages of issue twenty one, where Sana is going around collecting yeah. all these people that Afra has has discarded, not discarded, but I mean, trying to protect from herself, like her father. Like Magna Tolvan, like uh, yeah. I mean, probably like Santa herself. So um, I, I'm here for it. You know, Crash Wong, give me some more. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I I got a kick out of seeing Tolvan because I've realized yes. how long it's been since we've seen her, and we've seen her like appear on on the Yavin base was like the first time we've seen her yeah. in the first volume, and she's mm -hmm. been through through it all. And it's like, oh yeah. And the character of that that little girl with that big creature that I don't even remember the name of. Right. So it's like it's kind of cool. It's like they're assembling a team of all these really cool, powerful <laughs> Star Wars women to go get her back. I, I I like the idea of that and where it's going at least. I mean, I I would be happy to see a redemption arc of sorts. I know that can get overused, but um, I mean, I think Afra was starting. I feel like she was starting to like Han, starting to get a bit of a heart. Um, or maybe she already had a heart and too much of a heart, and that was her problem. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder if, especially Sana, is going to be her salvation. And if she's, maybe not so much with the Rebel Alliance, but, you know, not not out for her own skin as much, I, I hope. And, and maybe going through this experience of being possessed by this Ascendant Demon thing, Spark Eternal, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, that, I'm hoping for that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, she'll always be a little bit of a wrinkle, morally, but <laughs> it may be, maybe not so much a disaster. I'm just waiting for the damn droids to show up. Like, where the heck are they? I remember last we seen them, they were in an escape pod or something. They were just flying out into space. Yeah. I guess so. 
Like around the Battle of uh, yeah. Battle of Hoth, like right before that, they got to the Echo Base and they're like, "Oh, see ya." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, another thing that they're probably doing, they probably wanted to do, is things that were tired or overused. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, like Afro being a disaster is going to get overdone, and and that's why I want it to be pulled back in a little bit. Um, you know, we see a shade of that even. The flashback to when uh, when Afra and Santa first meet Ko, and the way uh, the way they help help Ko navigate this very you know transphobic university system. So uh, um, it's there, yeah. With the droids, I mean, they, yeah, they were starting. It was starting to get a, a bit of grading, I'll, I'll admit. And so I'm glad they stepped away from that. There could be room, yeah, now for even a real antagonist. Uh, if if Afra is a bit more redeemed to overcome her her own mm-hmm. past, mm-hmm. yeah. One one last comic I, I want to touch on here. Um, something that really surprised me was the Han Solo and Chewbacca issue number three. So first off, um, do you think that's actually his father? I, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, th- there it is kind of this weird thing where. Uh, I mean, they have the reference to the YT thirteen hundred. Yeah, maybe I built help build it or something. It felt felt a little vague. Who knows? I mean, that's the thing with Han with underworld stories is what are people's angles and um, in this time period, right? Uh, when he's he's working, he's connected to Jabba and he's connected to. I mean, he's working with Greedo, sort of. <laughs> um, if Greedo's working with him, who knows? Uh, but yeah, it, it's a good question. I, I uh, it's possible. It could be that he's his father, but still has his own angle, or, or maybe he's legit. I, yeah, again, it, they've done a good job of keeping it an open question that I can't answer you right now. <laughs> yeah, danced around the, dancing around the question. Um, yeah, I think what I will say is what they what uh, Mark Guggenheim, David Messina have done. Yeah, yeah it is make done given us a good job of making us feel like he is, making us feel like there is mm-hmm. this genuine care for his estranged son uh, partnering him and, and being competent in the operation as well. And then Han actually still wanting him around at the end there. Um, and so, I mean, yeah. we'll see, I mean, here's the question. Is he still alive now? <laughs> I mean, he gets shot in the back by Kersantan surprise spoiler, right? At the, at the end of the issue. Um, but that was a stun bolt though, right? It was a stun bolt. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that would be a quick end to it, right? Oh my god! Yeah, that's true. That would, yeah, you're right. That but, would make sense story. But before but yeah. we get to that point with Black Crescenta, which I was very happy to see, I was like amazed to see Kira in this story. Like, wait, what? Like, like Han? I love how it like interwove the events <laughs> of Crimson Rain issue number three that you just were referencing a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And and Han was the reason why the stormtroopers came there and started looking into all her stuff and finding the the Jedi stuff that they should she shouldn't have had and then try to arrest her and then and then you get to see through the macro binoculars like he's like oh who's who's getting her out of this and and you could you know we know as a reader that I've read those issues like oh crap that's Kira but since he can't see her face like he sees her from a distance he doesn't know it's exactly her I was like wow okay so I wonder if that's like going to be the only like a little connection if if Han will actually meet Kira at some point or or what's going to happen that that could be very interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a little bit of a, I found that moment actually kind of underwhelming only because it was teased as this big tie-in and it really felt like just a little flicker of a moment. And that's all you really need, fair enough. I mean, marketing is marketing in the publisher summary on previewsworld.com as well. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it just said, oh, yeah, and Kira and... and oh, really? Yeah, I mean, and she's on... They the archivist is on the... Yeah, it kind of spoils it. But oh, I mean, with the archivist ridiculous. there, I kind of pieced put two and two together. Um, yeah, and, and with, with the archivist, I wanted her to have a bigger role because, again, I you know, I, I love what she represents as, as a mm-hmm. you know her profession and every, her insights and everything she brings. I'm hoping against hope that we see that we see them again. But I don't know, I don't know if we will. I don't, and we don't necessarily need to for the story. Um, I mean, yes, she. Ha- I guess she has the urn, possibly. Wait, <laughs> I can't she? remember, but I don't. I mean, I, I read it once yesterday, so I'll have to look back and check. But. Um, or maybe maybe she doesn't, but either way, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And even if she doesn't, especially then we don't really need to see them again. But it would be an interesting emotional moment. I'll give you that um, for Han to see Kira. Uh, is there room in this five? It's a five issue run, right? So I don't mm. know if there's room. No, 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 it's ongoing. No, it's ongoing. Okay, so maybe there is room. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. all this information is the excuse I make. I've got lots of information crammed in my head. I forget. So yeah, maybe there is room. Um, hopefully, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that emotional connection. I mean, the one we really needed was the Kira and Leia that we got in the Star Wars ongoing. Uh, yeah. Comic. So, um, yeah. Uh, but, we'll yeah. We'll look, see. Look, I mean, yeah. maybe yeah, maybe that's setting it up. I don't know. Yeah. Look, looking ahead though, like just I'm going off just memory right now. We got some mm-hmm. good releases coming out with Star Wars comics. I mean, I think it's this sure. month we're getting the Mandalorian issue one, right? I think. Now these things are always in Somewhere flux. Around. Yeah, there are these comics have been getting delayed like crazy. I guess there's like a paper shortage or something. I think that's what what the issue is. Um, but we have that coming out. We have Dark Horse coming out next month. I can say that it's next month now. We're in July. It's coming out some point in August. They're gonna have um, the new hyperspace stories. Which look really cool, by the way. Like the cover art looks awesome. And then getting into September, I think there's Visions coming out. They're going to be doing a really cool, stylistic version of Visions. And then October is when they blow the doors off everything. Because that's when Hidden Empire is going to come out. That's when all the higher public is going to start ramping up. I think there's like three different comics. So right now, there's been like weeks where we haven't had any or like one comic, but like. Come October, we're going to be inundated with so much Star Wars comics. It'll be like three to four yeah. a week at that point. Um, so we'll have a lot. We'll have a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to need some guests on the tractor beam and try to <laughs> figure out how to do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have we're going from relative calm to a feast, like you said, especially with High Republic. I mean, I'm all about that. So, uh, yeah. the blade of bird. Give it to me. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, um, Ben, I know I know you've been kind of taking over the conversation at this segment, but um, let me throw this fun one to you. If I know you're not super into the comics, not that you choose to, but it's just, yep. there's a lot to keep track of. If there was yep. one storyline or one character or an event that you could get in comic book form that would make you run out to the comic stores and buy this thing on a weekly basis, oh, man. what would it be to get you out there to buy a comic? I would say... I would say to get me to buy one, 
like you know, I have I have plenty of uh, you know, you know, like you said, it's not even I I don't even really like them. It's just it's just there's so many. I feel like it's just like, you know, like you guys said, there's there's so many releasing. It seems like every week, comics, books, etc. And it's like holy smokes, there's so many different things. But for me specifically, like um, other than like you know consuming your guys' content just to get like the general overview of the story just to keep up with things you know i still do that just to you know be in the know but uh for me i think honestly which i don't see it happening just because i feel like they're saving it for for shows or movies but i really think it would be cool to get a comic run uh be like post episode nine like you know the aftermath of the events of episode nine like Mm. whether it be with um, not even like the main th- the main characters like Rafe and Poe, like you know just whatever characters like showing what's going on at the time of the galaxy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just to me to like push the story more forward versus like continue to play between like four and five, five and six, six seven, one and two, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's that's where I would say would probably be the most intriguing for me. Either that. Or potentially, like, looking into some of the different, um, you know, other, like, things. Like, like uh, you know, I've, I've fairly kept up, not, like, reading, just, you know, keeping up with, like, content creators, like, breakdowns of, like, the Crimson, like, the Crimson Rain comics and all that stuff. Just because that intrigued me. Just because Kira's an interesting character. Because of, like, the implications of potentially transitioning to live action. Like, or even yeah. animated shows. Like, that's, that's where I... Um, I come from, I'd say, with an angle. I would, I would say, my angle when it comes to a lot of the comics, books, etc., is like more of, you know, where can we get um, transitions of characters pulling it, pulling them out from these stories into the shows? Because, like, my critique for a lot of Star Wars is like book and comic content is like early on in the Disney era. I would say, up until about Rogue One specifically. Like, I mean, sure, obviously, it's been a long time since Rogue One, but you know it felt like a lot of the books and comics and things like there was no payoff. Like, you know, there was no tie-ins, no nothing. And it just was like, it was just like, well, here's the books and comics over here, guys, you know, enjoy them if you want. And then here's the movies and shows over here. And it was just like, okay. So like, what, what's the payoff? So like, I feel like, you know, when you get a comic run, like the Crimson Rain stuff with Kira, like, I like that because there's always a potential, especially when, you know, Last year, you have Amelia Clark talking about how she'd play Kira again at some point, maybe. Like, things like that, you know, there's potential of those comics getting value. Like, for me, um, one of the most mm-hmm. enjoyable reads and, uh, well, I guess listens, I guess you would say, for audiobooks, for me, I loved the Bloodline book um, and then Catalyst because it felt like they tied into Episode 7 and Rogue One a lot. Like, it made the movie mm-hmm. more valuable to me. And I feel like that's what I look for when it comes to consuming content is if it will tie in, even if it's a piece of content, for example, that's between four and five, five and six, whatever, like as long as it's feeling Mm -hmm. like it's tying into the movies or shows, I'm cool with it. But sometimes if it's like, is there actually going to be a payoff or connection? It'll be like, uh, I'll read something else. (laughs) Man, I have a question for you. Have you read brotherhood by Mike Chen yet? No, I've I've not gone around to that yet. I think I'm actually, I Mm -hmm. might end up getting the audiobook if there's an audiobook out for that. Mm -hmm. Oh, there is. Okay, then I'll probably end up getting I'll probably end up getting that because I've heard great things about that book. So. Yeah. And the reason I bring that one up is 
they could have easily marketed that as Road to Kenobi, Road to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. It really, it, I mean, it's set at a different time, but yeah. it really, I mean, that's the thing is, is you may not get some much a linear one-to-one, uh, okay, here's the moment the book ends, then the movie starts or whatever. Yeah. But it explores the same types of connections between Obi-Wan and Anakin, between Anakin and his uh, bionic body, like his, yeah. his severed hand, for example. So, I mean, I obviously won't go into too much, but um, yeah. that's a great example. I, I, I do get your point. I, do, I was thinking about this, is now in 2022, what is the relationship between uh, what I call paper canon and screen canon? And yeah, it, I feel it's even less tied in less connected only because the create i do only in the in the sense of uh the 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 film creators not well maybe i should backtrack here in 2014 we were actually kind of sold this uh uh, this marketing ploy if you will of the comics and the novels and the films and the shows are all going to be one together and then clearly even you know the Bad Batch intro with Canon, for example, I, I bring that one out. That goes you know in some details, not so much in the spirit of it goes against what happens in the Canon comic. You know, um, uh, here's a bit of a spoiler that we know in Shadows of Shadow of the Sith. There's you know Luke sees Force Ghost Anakin, or this is in one of the excerpts, and then in the celebration panel, Adam Christopher told us they're actually going to have a conversation. We've got we're gonna see a live action version of that sometime down the line that's probably gonna retcon. So I mean it, at first it pained my heart to say that. Like uh, you know, like a few months ago, I was like, you know, it's all connected all together. Um yeah. what again, what I think is more likely you're more likely to see it, are these emotional connections, right? So you're gonna see, for example, um the end of the last Darth Vader comic went into these questions of is there still good in Anakin or is Anakin still invader? Is there still good invader? And it did it through Sabe and through memories and visions of Padme, uh, similar to what we saw on screen in episode five and six of Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? There's, is there good in him or is he more machine now than man? And, uh, you know, so you're going to get those connections. Um, you know, I, I hope, I mentioned Sabe, I hope there's more to do with Sabe. I, you know, it's my, my dark horse thing is that she's going to show up in Endor. I don't think it's going to happen. But, like, yeah, I mean, that, that would be the, the perfect candidate for someone to really make a rid- radical jump because she's connected to Bail Organa and all that. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it, you know, it's, so maybe that's what I say is, is look for those kinds of emotional connections as well. Um, because yeah, maybe going back, there are more linear connections, but yeah, like you have something like uh, Rebecca Roanhorse's, um, it's back here somewhere. Yeah, forget what it's called. Uh, Resistance Reborn. Resistance Reborn. And yep. then, and then that, that has nothing to do with Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, so <laughs> it was such to answer a good your question book. on that note, what I'd like to see in a post Rise of Skywalker comic, I want to see Staplexley's Death Retcon. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's the big moment for me that where the divide, the wedge between paper and screen happened is Snap Wexley, Snap Wexley, Antilles dies, 
just as Wedge until he comes on the screen. Woohoo! Oh, my son is dead. You know, we don't get that moment because on screen yeah. it doesn't matter. You know, so mm. yeah, it, it's tough. Um, all that yeah. to say, yeah, Ben, I, I get your what you're saying is, um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I hope there are, are those kinds of connections. I hope those kinds of lead-ins. I would love to see Kira come on screen. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, especially since she's used in paper so much. But I could yeah. be wrong, and I'd be happy oh. to be wrong. Oh yeah, I I totally uh, I totally get that. Like my thing with it is sometimes I feel like with the whole um, canon thing, canon that started in 2014. Mm-hmm. Like my issue with it was, I mean, we've talked about it um, before on this podcast. Like mm-hmm. I, I wish they would be a little more flexible like say with the video games for example like it's yeah. awesome like that fallen orders like canon and you know it sets up in the timeline perfectly but my thing is i wish they would you know you could make a video game but make that exact same video game leave it exactly the same way but like put more of an emphasis uh, emphasis on it being like kind of flexible canon for the video games because mm-hmm. then to me you bootstrap your video game creators because then they can't go say as crazy as like say the force unleashed did back in the day, like things like that. Or like even the, um, like the old Obi-Wan Kenobi game from, uh, Xbox back in the day. Like, you know, that, that's a Obi-Wan's whole prequel story basically. It's like, you know, you have things like that, but I feel like a lot of those projects wouldn't get made today just because it's like, you know, we have to hard, you know, really hard bootstrap to Canon even though when we've had instances of canon being kind of like pushed to the maximum possible limits, like with the Bad Batch and like, you know, like you mentioned with that Resistance comic, et cetera, like, you know, canon has been pushed to, I feel like, or stretched to like really far limits. Like, I mean, look, look how nervous everyone got when the Grand Inquisitor got killed in Kenobi. We're like, hold up. Right. Whoa. <laughs> like, I understand yeah. flexible yeah. canon, but you're killing the Grand Inquisitor and Luckily, I, I was getting really nervous he wasn't going to come back for a second there just because it's like, man, like there was no repercussions for that character getting killed. And luckily he came back because if we would have went through there without him dying or with him dying, that would have been like, whoa, they're even going, you know, off canon on screen now. Like, yeah. so uh, I'm glad they they brought him back. But, but yeah, the canon thing is just an interesting discussion, I feel like. And for me, at the end of the day as well, like... Like, I like the stories, you know, that have implications, say, toward the live action stuff. Like I said, Catalyst, Bloodline. Even, like you mentioned, the the Brotherhood um, book intrigues me just because mm-hmm. it, like, connects, like, you know, into the characters more, et cetera. Like, that type of stuff's great. Um, and, like, even m- my thing is it comes down just the, the stories and what they're about at the end of the day. Like, back in the day, for example, the old EU. Like, all that stuff, of course, like, you know, you can't, like... Like, they, they made the stories as roughly coherent as they could because there were just so many stories. But even at that, you know, it wasn't technically canon. So, like, mm-hmm. that, and I feel like that's where they had, you know, they were able to come up with so many interesting stories because it wasn't, like, ironclad canon, and it was just good content. And, like, mm-hmm. to me, if it's a good story at the end of the day, like, I don't care if it's canon or not canon or middle canon or whatever. Like, as long mm-hmm. as it's a good story that's all I care about really, you know, like that's, that's, that's the big thing for me. Yeah. For me, it's just, I, I want to keep, keep them kind of stricter on the canon because for me, I love the idea that there's a universe that everything counts. Um, because yep. everything else with Marvel DC, 
whatever else. There's nothing else like this. So it's good for them to be original and unique. And yeah, it sucks that sometimes the creators like it's, it feels like they are kind of like handcuffed with their ideas. But there's that's what's good about Star Wars now is they really are going expanding. So the creators that really yeah, want to yeah. create something new are giving errors that they can kind of play around in. Because at this mm -hmm. point, a lot of us are sort of tired of the normal original trilogy stuff. So it's like, oh, go make something like 200 years before. Brand new characters, you could do whatever, and you could yeah. feel like freer in your creation. Like uh, Taika Waititi's mm -hmm. been talking lately. He's he's probably not going <laughs> to have the movie ready by the end of 2023 <laughs> for the sounds of it. But at least he's saying, like, I get to deal with new characters and new places and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So that's... That's cool. Like Star Wars is greater than yeah. an 80, uh, 75 year period of time. Like, there's so much more you could do and and not feel like you're beholden to this this era where everything is so interconnected that you can't you feel like you're trapped too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think by and large two things. Uh, the the story group especially is good at keeping paper stories away from things that might uh, be too impacted by screen you know like like kind of keeping the distance kind of relatively safe like a cushion yep. so that screen won't have anything to do with what's going on in paper and won't retcon what i'm getting at here is the the, the danger isn't there um of course you know we can have stories mm -hmm. on paper that tie in and connect and add to it and, and this is my second point is i think by and large here i use that term by and large what these stories do, this paper stories do, is, is our character uh, studies are yep. almost you know not not fan fiction because it, it's definitely published professional authors in a mm -hmm. very rigorous editorial thing, and it's, it's officially licensed and they're selling it as Star Wars and as part of a coherent paper story. I mean, the paper canon is all coherent. I mean, they do a great job of holding things almost entirely together, uh, but it's you know. I mean, here's the thing with Shadow of the Sith. Mm. You know, okay, well, there's this one line in uh, Rise of Skywalker, Luke and Lando went on this adventure. Okay, what what happens in those characters? What is it like for Luke and Lando to go on this uh, Jedi relic hunting, Sith relic hunting, whatever adventure? Mm -hmm. What does it do to their relationship? Here, Adam Christopher, go explore that characters yeah. will we see that on screen sometime later i don't know probably not but um for right now here go nuts and, and use your creativity to do that um you mentioned my favorite thing before before kenobi 5 and 6 came out uh my favorite thing in all of star wars right now is high republic um it's this one thing where they can all all of us who love this interconnectivity, they literally sat in a room and said, here's how this story is going to go. And here's how we're all going to write these stories. And I have a question on Slack, a question for, for you, Claudia Gray, that I'm going to ask on Slack. Does this work in my, for my character and all these things? And they all came together and agreed. And it came out more than the sum of its parts. And um, that's another you know, strength we see of, uh, of the connectivity, of the richness of this tapestry. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, oh, well, I mean, here's maybe uh, the point about the transition there to live action. Uh, we know Charles Soule is probably involved in, in the Acolyte somehow. Um, uh, there's there's that animated kids show coming out, High Republic. I think those are going to, anything that's set in High Republic is probably going to count 
or it's probably going to connect even more tightly. Mm. Um, at least, I mean, at the very least, Charles Soule, I mentioned, you know, his creator juice, right? Uh, the guy, yep. you want to talk about the master of payoff and setup, setup and payoff. Uh, he, he does it so well and, and immersive storytelling. He does it so well. So I, I, I mean, I, I trust, uh, I trust the story group. I trust these creatives. Um, you want to talk about Taika Waititi? Yeah, he's going back so far, probably, that before anything, you know, happened. And that'll be great, too. It'll be go nuts. And then you got something like Visions, where, you know, don't even try and fit it in. It doesn't matter. Nope. <laughs> you can go yeah. nuts there, too. But, yeah. but, but speaking of, of stories and dancing around certain plot points, uh, we got we to wait. We got to talk about this, because this yeah. book right here, man. I got to pull up my yeah. camera to make sure my book actually shows in the frame. Okay, there we go. That's better. <laughs> this book right here is something special, man. I, I know you're only a couple chapters in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look how look at how fat this book is. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little hard to hold sometimes. Pages. <laughs> but let me tell yeah. you, it doesn't feel like anything is wasted so far in this book. I yeah. am enjoying the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Essentially what it is is it's in between um force awakens return of the jedi it's an adventure between luke and between lando which is an interesting pairing because as we've seen in the panel at star wars celebration it's like wait wait a minute like luke and lando don't even really have screen time together that much and they don't really say more than a few words if any so it's like okay mm -hmm. like like how's this gonna go and i think that's what's so great about the writer adam christopher is he manages to really flesh out the character of Luke in a post-Return of the Jedi world, which a lot of creators have not had the opportunity to do yet, especially at this era where it's like 17 years after Return of the Jedi. Um, so we're in that like midway point, essentially, between both both trilogies here. We see a Luke with a Jedi Academy, Ben and his Padawan, like all this stuff that I've wanted to see and wanted to learn about. <laughs> But they've just, you know, Lucasfilm has just been so guarding with, like, that storyline. But it's so nice to see, like, they're opening the floodgates now. And it's like, okay, you can tell stories in this time period. You can go on and tell stories about Lor Senteca. You can go on and tell stories about this and that thing. So it's, it's a lot of cool stuff that's, that's happening there. Um, it reminds me a lot of Resistance Reborn in that there's a lot of really good connective tissue between all of the current or the previous released canon. Everything from Greg Pox, Darth Vader, uh, to even something like Dark Legends, um, having something that's canonized, which is really effing cool, because that, that's a really neat book. I'm like, oh, wow. And they even make a specific Legends. reference to, like, they're like, and Luke is saying something like, oh, even, like, all legend, not all legends are false. Like, some legends become reality. Like, he literally says that in the book, uh, based off one of yeah. the things of Dark Legends. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Um, but, like, the book, it actually is giving me, like, a little bit of um, Jedi Outcast slash Shadows of the Empire vibes with, like, certain sequences and certain things that happen in the book, certain characters that remind me of other characters where I'm like, oh, I, I can see this. Or, like, certain things that go back to Legends where it's like, oh, they ripped that right out of the Shatterpoint book with Mace Windu or something like this. I'm like, damn, this is really cool. And and something with Ochia Bastoon, Ochia Bastoon getting such great character depth. Like, holy crap. Like, this character you see for, like, a second literally on screen is given all this breadth of storytelling. I'm, of course, like, Greg Pak has developed him more than anybody else at this point. But what Adam Christopher manages to do is respect the current 
continuity and managed to bring it all together. I think his storytelling is really good because it's like you have Lando starting off here. You have Luke starting off here. You have this Acolyte of the Beyond starting over here. You have Rey. You have Mira Mira. You have Dathan starting over here. And then just like the way he manages mm-hmm. to converge these storylines in a very fast manner because I feel like in some recent Star Wars books or I won't even say recent, just some books in general, it's like they wait till like the, the two-thirds of the book to bring everybody together. No, th- things are coming forward in the first third of the book pretty quickly where it's like I'm halfway through the book right now and I'm just like racking mm-hmm. my brain. Like we've been through so much already. What is left mm-hmm. in store for the adventure to come? Because mm-hmm. there's been so much momentum already. So I feel like this book has... Is just it's it's on the par with the the Obi Wan and Kenobi um, book that Brotherhood book. Like I I feel like Del Rey is really just like really on a good streak right now. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the Princess and the Scoundrel because I think that's gonna have a lot of really great information about like the beginnings of the First Order maybe and stuff like that mm-hmm. with with the remnants of the Empire. But um, I'll uh, let me let me know how you're feeling about the book, Matthew. How are you feeling about Shadow of the Sith? Yeah, it's early. I mean, I, I was able to read the comics, so I had to delay get diving into to Shadow of the Sith. But, I mean, to your point there, you know, one of the things that really came out in that panel at Celebration and in the event last night is, yes, we've got all this connectivity, and it's wonderful. It's, it's yeah, really well woven in. It's a, primarily a Luke and Lando story. And I think the reason maybe they waited to, Lucasfilm waited to, give the keys to the luke car <laughs> so to speak it is it, it because you know people want to put bring in all these cool references and whatnot adam christopher seems to really have his head on his shoulders in terms of what does this mean for luke at this point in the story what does it mean for luke's turn to being this you know curmudgeon old whatever on on octo um you know what does it mean for Luke to encounter his father, like perforce ghost of his father and study the Jedi and uh, everything that's going to be happening with Ben and, and everything going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to love all these connections. I'm going to, I mean, the ones I spot at least, um, I just, I just finished the, or just I mean, into the, the chapter uh, with Ochi on that, uh, that planet where he find, first encounters the, uh, the acolytes of beyond and gets his, his mission from, a certain voice from behind his head. <laughs> I won't oh say anymore, but I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. But um, you know th- those connections. I mean, you want to talk about a tie-in to Rise of Skywalker, but also, uh, I mean, maybe feel think about Raka, for example, and again, everything with the Greg Pak comic. Um, what does that mean for Ochi's character? Maybe this is what it is: is we want both, and we're finally yeah. we want both tie-ins, and we want. <laughs> We want the, the funny strength and we want, we need rich character stories. Lucasfilm is really finally figured out how to have our cake and eat it too. And give us our cake and have us eat it too. You know, whatever the, the metaphor I'm using here is. Um, because like you said, I mean, we, we do want, I do want an interconnected universe. I do want this to be one coherent story, one coherent history where events from other stories have meaningful impact the way real world history would right i do want that um it's the the genre of a novel especially it really is character driven and so i mean that's the thing uh maybe some of the criticisms for example of light of the jedi for example uh to, to 
brings one one to mind is it was more of a large scale event that was in novel form. Here are more smaller scale events that are novel form that work better. Um, in that, I mean, I love Light of the Jedi. I love everything High Republic, but I can I can see that criticism. And um, you know, I mean, you talk about bringing everything together. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It already starts to feel like things are coming together. I think the part with uh, with Ray's family and yeah, um, I mean, again, I won't, I won't spoil too much, but uh, that is starting to I'm starting to see how that connects not only with Ochi. I mean, we know what happens ultimately with Ochi uh, and Ray's family, unfortunately, but also, I mean, with Luke and Lando, I, I can see, and, and Lore, I can see some things working together there. One thing I'll say about um, about Ray's family, even early on, the first few chapters, is, man, we know what happens. We've seen it on screen. The literal dagger to the heart, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, All that it's dagger, not going to end well. Yeah, it's not going to end well for, for Death and Miramir, but I mean, Din, uh, my friend Din came on the show to talk about Kenobi episode five a few weeks ago. And, and talk, he talked about how art makes us feel. And that's really where it hits home and where what Adam Christopher is doing such a great job with Death and the Mirror Mirror is we want mm-hmm. them to make it. We believe in them. We hope for them. And we kind of, we forget. Yeah. Oh, this isn't going to work. They're going to oh. make it. It's going to. And so, it, you know, I, I think he mentioned you know when, or 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 if when we go back to right right watch Rise of Skywalker, here's the way these stories work, and these novels work. Is when we go back to right, watch Rise of Skywalker, we're gonna see that scene and it's gonna yep. feel so much more. I, that's I, how these things work, and I, you know, I, and yeah. that's the the real bonus of it. So go ahead. I, I just can't wait to watch Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I don't know if I would have ever thought of myself saying that again, <laughs> but I'm like, I can't wait yeah. to watch this freaking movie because this this book is doing the, is doing the groundwork for making me care exactly like mm-hmm. a Nathan and Miriam like like they're on this adventure they're being tailed by Ochi and and his goons and they're getting mm-hmm. these like really close calls and escaping and in the back of my head yeah. I'm sold like I, I forget sometimes that they're gonna die and I'm like yeah they're getting away right. yeah. It's, it's it's so true, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Joel Davis is yelling in the chat, "Sith yeah. Eternal, dude! They are called the Sith Eternal. The guys demand its faces." Yeah. But this is the stuff I love. Like Sorry, when it came to it <laughs> you said you said the acolytes of the beyond. Oh well, because Kaiser's okay. Fair enough. Sorry, but Kaiser is, is, is an acolyte. The other guys are Sith Eternal. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so going back to the aftermath novels, and I would highly recommend you read those before you read this book because uh, Kaiser's story, her origins, is basically told in that, and she is an antagonist mm-hmm. in this book, and she's on the cover, so that's not really a spoiler. But <laughs> I, what I will say is, reading those aftermath chapters about the acolytes of beyond that that was one of the most like interesting things for me in the Star Wars lore was learning about this like dark 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 occult type organization that is going around and just like rummaging and, and gathering all these dark relics of the dark side. And, you know, we're, we're not really sure what they're doing with them, but that was always so fascinating. Like this mysterious element of these people going after and like really being obsessed after Palpatine's death, with just gathering these different mm-hmm. things. So to see a story like this one, um, and man, I want to talk so much about this book, but I'll spoil too much of it. But yeah. there are just like all those things I loved about the aftermath, all those things I love about the like the little tidbits yeah. from the novelizations of of some of the 
the sequel trilogy books where they're making reference to some dark and mysterious things like sure. Exegol, especially like this is the kind of book that I feel is like written for me because I love all that cool stuff. And they are answering so many questions that I've had over like the last like five or six years in this book. And I'm only like halfway through. But everything mm -hmm. from Exegol to the Sith Eternal cults and, and, and what's going on with Palpatine, essentially. It's just so creepy. And you feel sorry for some of these characters because you're just like, oh, that must be horrible. Like, the way the way he's writing these characters and, and, and what's happening to him is so good. The way Ochi treats Dio. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Come on. I, I forgot that. I keep having these moments in the book where I'm like, yeah. oh, they met that character. Did you get to the, oh, by the way, did you get to the character um, where they meet, um, they go to Euturba, the planet Euturba? Did you yeah, get there yet? I think so. I think so. I'm very early. I'm like chapter four or five. But okay, so. I, I, yeah. You, you didn't get to the archaeology yet. site yet. No, not yet. Okay, there's I'll, another, I'll, I'll there's another, when I do, there's another character that pops up from for Rise of Skywalker. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I well, okay. I should have seen this coming, but I didn't. You know, I was like, <laughs> so. it's like moments like that with Dio. I was like, I should have known mm -hmm. Dio would have been in a book, and they explained his origin and they explained like how badly traumatized this little droid is. Like, you feel yeah. so sorry for the droid, but now you have so much yeah. context of the crap <laughs> that that droid had to deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to make two points first of all but we were saying about kaiser that is another great example of a a canon connection that fits so perfectly because yeah you mentioned you know the the acolytes of the beyond in the aftermath era uh they're going around collecting sith sith artifacts and uh the, the, the bit about the mask that has the, the this force infused mask oh, you know, yes. and everything to do with uh i mean the sith and masks they have a thing um that fits perfectly with Luke and Lando going around searching for Jedi artifacts and uh, this, this part, that part of the journey and that adventure for the Jedi history. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can see that competition converging and emerging very naturally. Another thing I want to say, and, and this is a shout out to, to Joel, you know, I, we talk about Shadow of the Sith being the, the Rise of Skywalker rehabilitation project. I think that, <laughs> I think, uh, Chris, I, I was on with you. Some that I mentioning love that, that title so, what, so you know, much. This is, this is what, after the uh, our reaction to the celebration panel. Here's the thing, and, and I'm going to uh, read Joel's mind a little bit here. I think what he'd say is, it's not, it's on Twitter. Um, also, if you, <laughs> you follow Adai on Canon Pod, just letting you know. Um, <laughs> I'm plugging all, all over the place. It's not that, for for a lot of folks, uh, yeah, you know, the Rise of Skywalker has these holes and these concerns and these things about flow and what makes sense. For some folks, it's, this is already there. Here's a novel that actually helps us see it. Much the same way that uh, Darth, the Darth Plagueis novel with Phantom Menace and, and the, the whole prequel trilogy and Clone Wars with the whole prequel trilogy uh, as well, Clone Wars series. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to reframe, it's going to uh, help us put us in a better emotional space to watch this film uh, that we weren't necessarily in the best emotional space I think because I personally loved The Last Jedi so dang much that um, it, you know, to see some things kind of get fudged or, or, or turned a corner on or straight up reversed um, <laughs> you know, uh, it was disappointing to me but 
it's you know we're we're so many years removed from that, and it, it is also the perfect time now then to go and explore and again set us into art making us feel this film better. So I mean, I, I want to recommend this novel. I mean, I'm only four chapters and five chapters, and everything I've heard recommend this novel to people who like me were kind of iffy on the rise of Skywalker. I didn't mind it, but um, I am I going to expect? I'm expecting to love it a lot more now. Yeah, I I, I don't want to go as far as to say, oh, this this book is essential for every Star Wars fan because that just feels terrible. Like, oh, I have to read a book to understand yeah, a, a movie better, <laughs> you know? But from from a certain point of view, it's like if you are interested in the rise of Skywalker, I can't yeah. recommend this one enough. And again, this book could really suck at the end. I hope it doesn't. I'm only halfway through, so you'll know my final <laughs> say on it in a couple days. Yeah. But where I am right now, my initial impressions are, wow, man, this thing is this thing is really good so far. So there you go. Yeah. The people who've, who've ha- had advanced review copies, they've all loved it. So here's hoping. I mean, hoping they're not just saying that, not to spoil things, but <laughs> here's hoping. Here's hoping. Oh, man. So how about we get into the little Star Wars trivia, shall we? Sounds good. All right, so last week... Do I need a notepad or am I good? This one, I kind of feel weird about this one because it's very easy and we're going to get every one of these right. (laughs) But like, I feel like we should just keep going with it because it's nice to go and, you know, if we're going to become New Republic citizens and all with doing this this diplomatic core entrance exam. Oh, that's what this is. Did you see this? (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think I've maybe seen something about that. It's from 1997, man. Okay, yeah, I'm sure I've seen it eventually. I'm sure I've seen it around sometime. So we've gone sure. through, me, Milton, and Ben, or I should just say Milton and Ben, because I'm not participating <laughs> since I have the answer key here. Uh, we've gone through 60 yeah. questions worth of events that happened both in Star Wars Legends and in canon. Yeah. Uh, or the movies, I should just say, because canon didn't really yeah. exist back then. Um, so next in sequential order is famous quotes. And these are basically all from the movies, so, you know. This is gonna be. This is gonna be easy. I, I, yeah, I don't know much about legends. I'll admit. So, <laughs> uh, so. How, how how are we doing this? How are we doing? The you just have to write here? down. Just write down the name of of the. There's no multiple okay, choices. So you have to know the character. You're gonna have name. to grab a. I'll, I'll, I'm just gonna grab a notepad. Okay. All right, that'll give all of our listeners and watchers a time to uh, gather their things. Yep. I should have mentioned this from the top of the show, but we just kind of got right into it because there was so much. To That's okay. See, see if I have a pen around here somewhere. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, this this is my notebook. Oh, there we cool! Go. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right, you ready? Ben? This is specifically, my Star Wars trivia notebook. Yep. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> All right, number Good one. Enough. Like I said, I I would be um, very questionable for you guys if, if you got easy wrong. <laughs> All right, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. That's number one. Two wars not make one great. <laughs> number three, strike me down with all your hatred, and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. So bonus points for a creative way of saying the answer. Is there, is there, can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Before, I felt a great disturbance in the forest, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror. I were suddenly silenced. Number five, the son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. Now, this one threw me for a loop. And I'm very curious about this next one. It was, I don't know if this is from the deleted scene or what. Six. You, you may have been a good smuggler, but you're but now you're Bantha fodder? Oh. It's Java. <laughs> it's Java, I think. It's it's in Hati. Yeah. Oh. I feel I I, I think the, isn't that what he says to him in, in the A New Hope? Or maybe not. Oh, could Yeah, be. like the special editions. The, the special, special edition, edition uh thing. Well, but, where he walks this, over his tail. Well, this would have been made in 97, so I guess the special edition would have came out around then. Yeah. Yeah, so it might, might be. Hmm. I don't know. All right, number seven, the force runs strong in your family. Okay, number eight. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. <laughs> wonder what uh, Madeline's son would say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, may the force be with us. I feel like Jin Erso says 1997. that. 1997. 1997. <laughs> movie wouldn't have come out for 19 years. That would be... <laughs> oh, I know. May I know, the force be with us? Oh, wait, I know who says that. I know who says it. I think two say it, don't they? There might be more than one. You're right. Well, there might be more than one people for each one of these answers. But specifically that, I know. Let me look. I'll just give you a we'll, hint we'll if there's multiple answers. Let me give you a hint. I'm going to open up the answer yeah. key and just see if they have that. Should, should I give my answer? Should I tell you? I mean, I, I feel like it's either... To me, I feel like it's either Akbar or the the bearded guy in A New Hope. I can't think of his name. Oh, Riken. Yeah, I was, I was thinking maybe him. I, sure. I know it's Akbar. I can hear May the Forest be with us. Yeah, see, yeah. I, I, Akbar is my first choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Number 10, the ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. Now, that one would be a tricky one. That's more of a minor character. Is 11? It? <laughs> is Wait, it? Number Wait, 10 hold on. is the main character of the whole saga. Oh, that's, that's definitely Wait, Vader, that? isn't it? Hold up. Oh, wait yeah, a minute. That's, no, I, that's 100% Vader, Chris. I, I, read the, I read the question wrong. I was like, wait a second. I, I, was, thinking, I, was, thinking Moff, I was thinking of Grand Moff or, or, or Moff Mahdi or something for some reason. Yeah, that's yeah. That's who he's talking, like to. talking to. That would be yeah. another an interesting one. Who is the person talking to? I mean, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Okay, number eleven is try not do or not do not. There is no try. Okay, twelve traveling through hyperspace isn't like dusting crops, boy. <laughs> Thirteen. Who's the more foolish, the fool, the fool who follows him? <laughs> Fourteen. Somebody has to save our skins. Fifteen always in motion is the future. 
Okay, number 16 is hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Okay, number 17. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 18. The Jedi are extinct. Their fire has gone out of the universe. And number 19, why I left you, I was but the learner, now I am the master. So, here's what we'll do. I think, <laughs> since those were really easy, I think we'll do 10, another 10 questions, because I think we did a total of 30 the last two times. We'll go yeah. into the, we'll go into the people section, and these are going to yeah. be hard. I'll let you know, these ones are what like was legends. The, the last question, I was correcting myself. Oh, 19 was when I left you, but I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Well, we only did 19. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we only did 19. Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, I know. I was double checking my numbers, too. I was like, wait a second. But yeah, we only did 19. Wait a minute. Yep. So we're going to do uh, 10 questions relating to people. These ones do have um, legends in here. So this will be fun. Okay. And these are multiple choice, too, mind you. So I uh, just write down um, the letter, or we could do a letter and a name. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Uh, Number one, who located Leia in her cell on the Death Star? A, Obi-Wan Kenobi. B, 3PO. C, Han Solo. D, Luke Skywalker. E, R2-D2. Located. Oh, actually. Oh, that's trick, trick question. question. Was E, R2? Yep. Okay. Okay, number two. <laughs> Why didn't Darth Vader know Leia was his daughter? A, she kept her identity secret from him. B, she didn't know. C, she was hidden from him before her birth. And it just has those three three possible questions, or answers, I mean. So A, B, or C. I'm curious, in, in 1997, what was the, the genesis of the thought? Because we don't see it until 2005. That's just a, a, his, a Star Wars history. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's a right answer. There's a right answer. I'm just wondering what. Very interesting. Yeah, you got to think back in a mindset that that uh, prequels didn't even happen yet. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. I mean, okay. I think it's still the same answer, but. Mm -hmm. Number three, yeah. who befriended Leia on Endor's moon when she crash landed her speeder bike? A, a stormtrooper, B, a boffin, or C, an Ewok? Pretty easy. Now, this one is, this one's throwing me for a loop. Number four, Leia got her first lightsaber. A, by making it herself. B, from her brother Luke Skywalker. C, from Vima da Bada. Or D, while she attended a Jedi Academy. Like, oh man, that's that's a really cool thought because we know what oh, happens man. in canon. Uh, Joel, if you're still watching, just DM me the answer. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> man, that's a tough one. I have to guess on that one. Oh, yes. Five. Uh, I guess this is yes or no. Um, does Leia remember her mother? Question mark. All right. I, I like this question, kind of, because um, it has a character possible choice that I, I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, six. Leia made a political marriage with A, Prince Zizor, B, Prince Isildur, or C, Senator Garnbel Iblis. I recognize two of those names. One of them looks like a name from Lord it... of the Rings. Yeah, Soldier's heir. Ah, man, that's a tough one. 
Yeah. I think, try to think, because in the radio drama. Oh, yeah. In the radio drama, she, that's actually a tough one. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, because, you know, back then, like like you said, back then, it was just uh, mm-hmm. pretty much whatever was out was canon. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Really Shadows tough. would have come out already by then, right? Mm-hmm. It would have been done by then, yeah. Would Shadows be out by then? Okay. 96, I think. So it would have been done by then. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, seven, one of Leia's childhood names was blank, and there's no multiple choice. <laughs> this is why this is hard, because now it just gets into the Legends categories, and you're just okay. like, huh? I'm cheating. No, I'm not going to cheat. I won't cheat. But I'm just <laughs> going to see if Joel actually messaged me. No, this is this is where we need this is where we need Milton on well, these. Okay, on these. Ben, most creative answer there wins for oh. sure. <laughs> okay, uh, number number eight. Leia engaged a child a children's tutor named. I don't know what that engaged in what way. Leia engaged a children's problem. tutor named A. Ibrahim, B. Ingret, C. Ngam Foss. <laughs> wait, what was wait? What was the question? Even she got engaged to him. No, she probably hired the services of. Leia oh, engaged kids, a children's tutor named. I guess she hired somebody. <laughs> like to hire to to yeah, teach yeah. Jason and Jaina and anything. Else. Okay. Which is the most Star Wars name of the three? Yeah. <laughs> All right, nine. Who is Leia's father? A. Anakin Solo. B. Bail Organa. C. Darth Vader, D. Emperor Palpatine, or E. Anakin Skywalker? Ooh. There are multiple correct answers in there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are the... Uh, can you list them again? So I get the right. Uh, Chris? Okay. Let's see. Oh. A. Anakin Solo, B. Bail Organa, C. Darth Vader, D. Emperor Palpatine, or E. Anakin Skywalker? And last question for tonight. Who told Leia Organa that she had a brother? A. Darth Vader, B. Emperor Palpatine, C. Ben Kenobi, or D. Luke Skywalker? All right. Qui Gon Jinn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If you guys are all ready, we're going to run through. All right. <clears throat> all right. So we'll go from favorite quotes. We got one. Leia Organa, two, Yoda, three, Emperor Palpatine, four, Ben Kenobi, five, Emperor Palpatine, six, Jabba the Hutt, seven, Yoda, eight, C-3PO, nine, Admiral Akbar, ten, Darth Vader, eleven, Yoda, twelve, Han Solo, uh, thirteen, Ben Kenobi, fourteen, Leia Organa, fifteen, Yoda, sixteen, Han Solo, seventeen, Ben Kenobi, eighteen, Grand Moff Tarkin, and nineteen, Darth Vader. How'd you guys do on those? Perfect. I got one wrong. <laughs> Maybe okay. I'm sure. What's number deer? seven? Seven. The force runs strong in your family. Would you put Ben Kenobi? Oh, yeah. You know what? No, I put I put Luke. You know why? Oh, yeah. Probably because I have the trailer to force one. Oh, yes. wait. Never mind. Never mind. I, never mind. I, I did get that one wrong, too. I put Luke oh. as well. Yeah, interesting. I, that's the trailer to Force Awakens in our head. That's why. Doesn't doesn't Luke say that in Return of the Jedi when he's talking? Oh, I guess he says in our family to Leia. Yeah, uh, your family okay. is is your. Yeah, 
So that's where oh. the fun begins. Now we're going to go through the people, the ten, first 10 questions of people, and go through the answer key. So a one mm-hmm. is E, two is C, three is C, four is A, five is yes, six is B, seven is Lalila, L E L I L A, eight is A, <laughs> nine is C and E, and 10 is D. Hmm. Interesting. See, nine, the correct answers are B and D. Um, Bale is very much her father, but, yep. you know. So I missed two out of there, missed one, so I got 27 out of 30 tonight. Yeah. Okay, uh, I missed pretty good. I missed about three in that last one. All right, let's see what my percentage is. So do we do only do 29 questions? We did 29 oh, wait, no, questions. We, 20, 20, okay, yeah. so 26 out of 30. Yeah. So that would be probably twenty five out of twenty nine. Or twenty six out of twenty nine, I mean. That's like a B plus. I think I missed three yeah. on that one. Or eighty eighty nine point six percent. Ah, sure. <laughs> hey, that'll hey Chris, that'll help me and Milton's grade card for our, our admission into the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got the uh, two X wings out of three uh, ETA Actus. <laughs> <laughs> what? That makes no sense. Two other sprites out of three actors. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so moving on. Our big news of the week is that Star Wars Celebration tickets are actually on sale already. So, um, if you're looking to go to London um, in April of next year, well, you might want to get on that because tickets are already selling out. They sold out for the four-day passes, and they sold out for Saturday. So, you could still pick up a pass for. Friday, Sunday, and Monday. But just so you know, I will be there in some way, somehow. I got my four-day pass. I already got the hotel, so I'm not locked in per se because the hotel's not paid for yet, but I have every intention of going, but it's so far in advance that it's like, who knows what will happen, but I plan on on being there. So just a public service announcement for anybody um, that is especially in Europe. Um, definitely check it out if you can. I know us Americans, it's a little bit of a expense to, to get out there, us in North America in general. Um, but we'll see what Thank happens. You. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I, I don't know if I'm going. Um, I will say, well, first of all, I'll say, yes, if you're anyone's looking to hang out with Chris, especially at a panel, especially at a, a, a publishing panel, he's a good guy to hang out with, I can attest. Yeah, I mean, it probably is easier for me to go from Canada to UK, but it's Easter weekend. I spent so much money in Anaheim. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I went nuts. I got. I spent so much on merch. So yeah, it's only only eleven months. So an Easter weekend isn't the best for me. So I know um, that was the crazy. Uh, thing. I was surprised yeah. that it's on Easter weekend of all weekends. And uh, my my friend Kareem pointing out uh, it's during Ramadan. So that also makes it hard. So yeah, um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, isn't it uh, Excel Energy Center, wherever it's called? It's a smaller venue too, from what I understand. Oh, is it really? So it's probably why uh, why it sold out so fast. In part, oh. probably sold less tickets. Um, yeah, I, I I'm kind of consoling myself by saying oh, it's going to be a smaller event. Watch yeah. there be some massive bombshell announcement. I think it will be smaller. Uh, this is exactly what phase three. <laughs> so good. 
<laughs> oh, okay. yeah, finish your thought. Yeah, phase three will be revealed or something there. Or... Yeah, that's the one thing. I, I mean, I hope, hoping it's hope they actually live stream that High Republic panel. Oh, wait, Probably because... not, but you never know. If you look at it, doesn't like the end, yeah. didn't somebody put out something that the phase two is ending yes. with only two waves? And like the second wave so... comes out in May? Yeah, uh, it's Kevin Scott's book, something Vengeance or something. I forget what it's called. Path of Vengeance. But uh, yeah, and how that is the the conclusion to Phase Two, and so uh, the 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 suspicion there is there's just going to be one wave um, for you know November, October, November, and then another wave January, February, whatever into yeah, May. So yeah, I think that originally if things were going better than they are and i think if everything was on track for taika waititi's movie this would have been the celebration to be like promoting his movie like this is going to be the marquee event like that friday panel would have been you know whatever the hell the title of his movie would be but it doesn't even seem like they're shooting it this year so that means it probably won't be out until 2024 at this rate <laughs> so that leaves me to wonder like oh what what could be the big marquee I, and the good thing is there's always series being produced so just like this year they didn't have yep. movie to produce so they're they'll talk about um ahsoka because it won't be out yet they'll talk about mando season four if that's even being written yet or whatever mm -hmm. they'll talk about bad batch season three uh, basically it'll be a repeat of this year just like with the subsequent seasons of whatever show they already talked about yeah. with the next season maybe it'll be like hey we're coming out with kenobi season two and there goes you and mcgregor on stage to announce it who knows you know? so yeah but, oh yeah i mean I, I mean there's definitely a chance for all of that stuff and don't forget skeleton crew i mean they oh, might yeah. have a they might have a trailer around for that they might i feel like you'll probably end up getting a Ahsoka trailer at that just because, you know, Mando's earlier in the year in what, February, I believe. So, um, you know, I feel like the Ahsoka trailer probably will come at celebration and, you know, maybe more of a uh, earlier look at the Acolyte or like at least oh, yeah. like what's going on there. But to me, like not to be like a, a, a doom bringer or anything, but I don't, I don't think, the Taika Waititi movie is even going to be 2024. And my main reasoning why is because of Avatar. Avatar's next movie, it comes out this year and then December of 24. And I feel like Star Wars is trying to put their movies in that December, you know, holiday month. So to me, it screams it's probably going to be 25, if I had to guess, for Taika's movie. But here's the, thing, here's the thing, though. Like, Disney controls both franchises, so they can easily shift them around. Be like, all right, we're putting this Star Wars movie here. Sorry, Avatar, you're getting pushed up to like <laughs> summer or something. Like they have uh, all see, the power I, I, I to do that. I've waited 20 years. Come on, what's what's another yeah. few months, right? <laughs> see, I, I don't know. I don't know if that'll happen, but uh, just because, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see him moving it, but that's just me. But yeah, yeah well, I mean, here's the thing: is mm -hmm. sorry, go ahead. Fish your thought. Well, here, here's the thing: it, it, Star Wars is not a film franchise anymore. It, it is primarily a live-action Disney Plus franchise. And so to have films going forward in production, I mean, it's it's harder. I think it's harder to do a film. Um, maybe not, but it, it seems to be at least, or even the storytelling, they want the, the time, the breadth that you can put in a, a Disney Plus show. Uh, yeah, I mean, going forward, it'll be nice to have films. It'll be nice to have Taika Waititi's film. It'll be nice to have... Uh, you know, if we can get uh, the squadrons, rogue, uh, rogue squadron. Oh, Patty yeah, Jenkins. Rogue squadron. 
yeah, the Patty Jenkins film. But, you know, I mean, like you said, we have Ahsoka. We have uh, the Acolyte. We have uh, Bad Batch Season 3. We have Mendo and everything happening there. We have probably some sort of culminating Thrawn-esque thing happening. Um, who knows if that's a film, if that's a made-for-Disney Plus film. Who knows? Um, I'm frankly I'm satisfied with all of that. And, and that, I mean, that's a deeper philosophical question of what is Lucasfilm doing now? But yeah, I can see that. I mean, for them to really push Ahsoka the way they pushed Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, in Anaheim. And even, you know, I mean, they've done with, with Rebels, for example, they've released an episode, have a private screening of an episode yep. months in advance of the actual airing. Will they do that in the era of, of leaks and streams and whatnot? Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, there's already was your leaks and streams. We know with Kenobi, they launched the first two episodes uh, on Disney Plus. The second, uh, our premiere finished, like literally, pretty much literally the second. Like as uh, we were walking out, they were starting to uh, people were starting to filter it. Oh yeah, it's uh, on now. Um, and also at midnight Eastern as opposed to midnight Pacific. But uh, yeah, I mean, it depends, you know, where's the energy? And and the energy is clearly on on the streaming shows. So yeah, like man, you're making your point. You know, we can get a trailer for Ahsoka. I think people are gonna. It yeah. might be. I mean, it, it pains me to say I'm well, not gonna go there, but it might make it a, a whole episode for them. Oh yeah, well that's that's the thing I think with like the Ahsoka show. You know, I feel like that'll be the flagship for Star Wars next year after okay. the Mandalorian's over, just because. To me, I think you know as you brought up about Rebels. To me, I think they're really going to like lean into Ahsoka being basically like the pseudo rebel season five, basically. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's, what's going to really drive the marketing, drive the stuff for that. Cause you know, who knows the trailer might sh- obviously will show Ahsoka probably show shots of Sabine and, and uh, you know, what are, you know, obviously like hinting toward whatever storyline leading up to Ezra and they'll really lean into those rebels vibes. I feel like versus and a bit of Hera too. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. And Hera, of course. Yep. I think oh, that's yeah. I think that's what they'll lean into for like the marketing for celebration. Um, I feel like there's a chance you know you'll get potentially, uh, especially for like say, like to really help market it because I I feel like it's inevitable, with, especially with Dave Filoni involved and how much I mean it's his show, but uh, with Rebels I feel like it's inevitable we're probably gonna get like some type of a flashback or callback or something to like the Vader Ahsoka fight. And I could mm-hmm. see the Ahsoka trailer like having the Vader breathing in the trailer or something, you know, just to get everyone riled up. Like like that sort yeah. of stuff. Like, you know, I, I feel like Ahsoka is going to lean heavily into the Rebels vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like that, especially since, uh, we, you know, the, the interaction with Grogu and Ahsoka yep. the first time we see her live action. She's thinking about Anakin. She's thinking about Vader and Anakin's fall. And why she's no. hesitant to train Grogu. So yeah, I mean, I like that, especially what we've gotten with Kenobi to actually to to make this the point again that this is the other. You know, I mean, we've made this. I think most, a lot of us have made this point. You know, Ahsoka got the left half, and yeah. <laughs> Obi Wan got the right half, and Luke helped me take my mask off. You know, we, we yeah. made that point a lot yeah. to make that to bring that point home live action for more viewers who haven't even seen Rebels. Who probably should see Twilight the Apprentice, but uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely I hadn't thought of that, frankly. Then uh, thanks for thanks for pointing that out because I mean I think yeah. I mean her her motivation is 
Grogu and Luke and, and even probably even Ben Solo a little bit, but um, you know, finding Ezra and, and getting whatever she wants to do to Thrawn, who knows. Uh, but yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. the flashbacks to Vader, I like it. Yeah, so we titled this episode the Obi-Wan Kenobi series review. <laughs> so we'd be remiss if we didn't spend at least a little bit of time talking about Obi-Wan. Before we jump in, though, I want to I wanna hear your experience, Matthew, with this special Toronto event you went to. Um, so what happened there? So, yeah, it was uh, the whole series, all six episodes. We did have breaks. But, uh, yeah, the, the really nice theater uh, downtown, not too far from the Skydome, from the Rogers Center, and, you know. Bit like downtown Toronto, where um, a lot of these events do tend to happen. They have they have premieres, they have different things there. Uh, yeah, and we took over a theater and we sat and watched all six episodes in one go and on a big screen. And I was able to get prime seating, beat the line, and did that. So for the whole day, and well, it started about three p.m. Um, and we ha- we had breaks. It was fine. We got food. We got coffee. Whatever. Uh, to see it all in one go on a big screen, it was really spectacular and really special to uh, see the connections between you, you see uh, the first character you see in the whole series is a young Reva. And I didn't notice that until uh, watching this again uh, on the big screen, uh, the connections there, the the guy who barges in front of the, the water line the, at the end is, was Kenobi's meatpacking boss at the beginning. Um, those connections, but also, uh, I mean the the moment with um, Padawan Anakin and Obi Wan, the episode, uh, just before set before episode two at the beginning of episode five, I started to tear up. I was like, "Oh wow, this is really special." Just the uh, yeah the experience of seeing episode two era on the big screen, and so that was really fantastic. And then Deborah Chow and Hayden Christensen were of course both from here. Uh, Henry Christensen still lives in the area. They did a Q&A and they, they said, great to be back in our hometown and uh, talking about casting, Deborah Chow talking about casting for Leia and Hayden Christensen talking about performing Vader, getting to Anakin's headspace um, and, and then going to a really dark place. So kind of relating, connecting to Anakin's character, uh, but as a dark fallen Anakin. Uh, again, going back to the, the point about Deborah Chow with um, casting for Leia, they wanted to cast yes, young Leia, but also young Carrie Fisher, who would react in circumstances, make the kind of choices that Carrie Fisher would make, and of course with Vivian Lara Blair, they knocked it out of the park. So really special event overall. I'm really glad I did it. It was also it didn't feel long or drawn out, which is a testament to the pacing of the series uh, as a whole the you know mixing the action sequences with the quieter moments with the larger overarching themes uh seeing it in one go really felt like a fun uh engaging experience that i'm going to cherish it was a bit of celebration magic right here in my hometown you know i i kind of joke folks down in socal get all all the exclusive events and uh, so it was nice to get one right here in my backyard yeah that's really neat because me and you kicked off celebration by watching the first two episodes in yeah. that theater. So that yeah. was that was like definitely a highlight for me for Star Wars memory of the last five, six years, just like being around mm-hmm. that noise. Because in 2015, I actually did the marathon of all the Star Wars movies at the AMC over the bridge in PA. They had like a yep. 18, 
I think it was like 18 hours worth of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> thankfully only about six or yeah, seven. Yeah, we had that here too. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun because like people were camping out. I took a nap at some point in my car. I just went, there was like a two-hour gap at one point. I was like, oh, let me just go to my car and just sleep. So that, that, that was fun. But the communal experience of like marathoning Star Wars with a room full of people is just something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the other part of it is, uh, you know, with with, with my friends, you know, Ding, Cream, and Dom, um, to and, and I mean a whole crowd, lots of Five Hundred First, lots of Rebel Legion, wow, cheering for different things, different different folks cheering for different reasons, and <laughs> reacting to different events, and it is interesting to see what people react to, what people find funny, because uh, you know one thing I, I watch all the episodes right here in this basement. And, uh, by myself, and, and it's one thing to do that, and then go. Uh, I watched the finale that morning, and then went down to the event and watched the whole series again. So, yeah, um, y- y- there, there is. I mean, that is all my points about Star Wars being Lucasfilm being a or Star Wars being a Disney Plus franchise, notwithstanding. There is still something special about watching a film in a theater with a larger crowd, who is more than just you. And um, I mean, that's the thing Marvel, for example, has down to pat perfectly is they get the best of both worlds there. So, yeah, again, it's it's nice to uh, to have the control of the noise and whatever and get my own food, and my own comfort. But uh, also then, you know, of watching it at home, but also, yeah, to be in a, a crowd with a big screen and. I mean the the production quality of that show is is the production quality of that show. It's it's enormous and so uh, worth, especially episodes five and six are worth being on the big screen. Oh yeah. Okay. So l- l- let's talk about just overall our thoughts on the series now that we've had over a week to kind of let it kind of settle over us and and think about the whole thing as a whole rather than just on an episode per episode basis. So. Um, Let's start with the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'll throw this one to Ben. Were you satisfied? Were you joyful? Were you very happy with what they dealt with, both the portrayal of Obi-Wan by Ewan McGregor in this series and just his story overall, the writing, everything about the character of Obi-Wan? What would you feel? Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I mean, honestly, Chris, the more the more I think about it, like, the more your uh, your Facebook post from last week literally summed up my feelings on this like whole show, like it hit it perfectly. But for like <laughs> Obi Wan specifically, I uh, I think Ewan did a great job. Like I I think he stepped right back into the role, and I think he improved it in my opinion. Like his I think his acting obviously like his acting has gotten better over the years. Um, you know, with more projects he's been in and refining the role um, more. I thought he's done a really good job in that regard. And then in terms of like Obi-Wan, or I guess Ben in this series, Ben Ben for this series, I feel like he, um, I think his character, in my opinion, should have started to transition more to like the hero Obi-Wan a little bit earlier, because I feel like it was just so late in the series, like, you know, like the fifth episode or basically like, you know, by the time you're in the fifth episode, it's like we're in the home stretch. So it's just like, mm-hmm. I wish his a character would have potentially started transitioning to, you know, the hero Obi-Wan, maybe like, you know, into the third episode or so, like halfway through the series, basically, versus like, you know, basically back half of episode five into the end of the finale. So like, it was just kind of like, I don't know, I wish this character would have started transitioning better. 
But with that being said, I think what they did with him worked for what they were trying to do with like the Obi-Wan, like basically down and out, like, you know, uh, just basically everything, the the direction they went with his character, I thought was done in a good way for what they were doing. But for me personally, I just wish his character would have transitioned to the hero mode a little bit earlier. But uh, yeah, so like I, I would say overall, like Obi-Wan's character specifically, I think, um, I would say if I was like seeing like an out of 10 scale, we're always talking out of 10, I feel like when we're talking movies and shows, like I would say like his character overall is probably like an eight out of 10 type arc, just because it started, you know, from a down point, like I said, I felt like it dragged on a little bit. And then we got to, you know, obviously the ending. I feel like the ending with, with Vader was done really well, especially even the earlier fight. Like a lot of people criticized the earlier fight. And to me, I think it played out perfectly because it, it fit Obi-Wan's character, like how weak he was at the moment, etc. Like I think that was played out well. And then the finale fight was done well with um, the dialogue that was delivered between Obi-Wan and Anakin, or well, Vader, I guess you would say. I think the dialogue was was really good. Um, mm-hmm. I do wish there was a little bit more dialogue, potentially like a mention of Padme to some degree. Like that was that was one thing I was really, really hoping. Like you know, of course, us mm-hmm. as Star Wars fans, we can nitpick, all, you know, till our, till the cows come home. But but uh, but to me, I wish there would have been maybe more of a callback. Like obviously, Anakin and Obi Wan, like they showed their brotherhood throughout this series, like with the flashbacks and all that stuff. But I do feel like. I wish there was just a little bit more of their connection, like as brothers, like him maybe saying something about Padme during that fight. And then, you know, that's what sets Vader off or something versus like, you know, how, how it all played out. Like, I just, I just wish there was a little bit more chattiness in the finale fight, but Mm. overall, like I said, his, I think his character was, was, was done really well. Yeah. I would, I would have to kind of echo your thoughts on this one. Mostly Ben, I feel like uh, Ben Kenobi, uh, obviously the titular character of the story, it's named after him. So um, I was I was expecting quite a bit, as I think we all fare often to yep. do with with a character's uh, story named after them. Yeah. And uh, I, I really <laughs> liked, I, I said this before, I really liked episode one, really liked episode six. And I feel like there were standout moments. And I agree, like I feel like his transition uh, could have happened more rapidly because I just felt like unless there's multiple seasons to a certain degree, like I wanted more of the Obi-Wan that we know. And we've seen so much of the down and out Obi-Wan that by the time we got to episode six in in that last 10 minutes when he's meeting with Leia, like that's like the first time I think that he like laughs the whole six episodes. And I, and I understand like he's going through trauma and turmoil. Um, but -hmm. it's also hard for me to get behind it because I'm like, oh man, I I really wanted to see more of this Obi-Wan and we're only getting like 10 minutes worth of it, you know? Well, just to to add in there really quick, Chris, I'll I'll let you continue continue (laughs) your point after my long dialogue, but see, that that was kind of my my feeling with the way it went was, like, obviously the finale is supposed to be really good. Like, you know, the characters, all the action, et cetera, et cetera. But when we got to the finale, I felt like, this is the Obi-Wan I was wanting for, you know, obviously, you know, not all six episodes just because you have to get him out of being depressed yeah. or whatever. But mm-hmm. like, that's yeah. the that's the Obi-Wan I was looking for. Like to me, like the first four and a half episodes, it felt like kind of prequel Obi-Wan series to what I actually wanted. Yeah, for Obi-Wan's. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. That's how I would describe it. 
That's like a perfect explanation for me. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, everything with Thune McGregor is great. His delivery of the lines, oh, everything's yeah. great. But like during oh, like yeah. I remember the, the like episode five, like he's giving the speech to the people that are on Jabim, and like I just didn't buy it. I just like sure. I just I didn't feel like that was Obi Wan in that moment. I feel like him like trying to like rally up the people. I was like. Like, I feel like Obi-Wan would deliver this speech a lot better or something. Like, it just didn't, like, <laughs> hit it for me. And, uh, but I liked how in that same episode that he was, like, the master negotiator. He's speaking to Reva face-to-face, -face, and he ends up, like, basically getting her to try to kill Vader. Whether or not, like, sure. she needed the extra push from Ben or not was a, was a question. But, like, right. performance and everything uh, was great. Um, and it's hard because, like, you know, all, all film and everything subjective. So... You got to just critique it off off the written story that's before us. It's so easy, mm -hmm. and you see it online everywhere. It's like, well, it should have been like this. Like, it should have been this story and this story. And I feel, I feel like that's kind of unfair for a certain degree if you're critiquing something because you, you can't critique something that doesn't exist, essentially. You just got to look at what exists currently and, and, and look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and based off of that, there's... There, you know, they, they wrapped it all up with like his storyline pretty good. I, I, I like where he yeah. started and I like where he ended, but just some of the middle ground territory I, I could have seen uh, a little bit more from his character in general. Um, what about you, Matt? Let's talk about let's talk about Obi-Wan. Yeah, I mean, the way you guys describe it, that was my experience maybe while we were in it uh, for the first maybe episodes three and four, especially when, you know, when we get to the whole the ending and, and maybe this is part of my experience watching it all at once as well uh we see all that journey that ex exciting chase as set up as them earning or leading to these moments uh, on the the you know the well especially with you know anakin and obi-wan the the and the, yeah everything in episode five and then of course the confrontation in episode six all that build up uh I mean, looking back on it, first of all, I'll say the, the real moment of transition beginning is in episode two, where he he taps into the Force and saves Leia from from crashing. Right? Um, then he has to be carried. He has to be basically the Force has to kind of yank him along this journey, uh, trying to help uh, help Leia escape from the Inquisitors. That then he encounters, he sees Leia, and he sees how her heart and her spunk. Um, he see he encounters uh, you know the the path and everyone working for a better tomorrow, a better future. And so then he's able to make those speeches as General Kenobi uh, rallying the troops and rallying the clone troops rather and organizing and negotiating, as you mentioned. So yeah, again, while while I was in it, I felt similar to that. like where's this going? This isn't the Obi I wanted. Uh, I, you know, I, I wanted them to come to episodes five and six the way we did. Looking back, you know, I see, uh, I, I am more convinced. I am more convinced that uh, this was just the journey, the steps that needed to take there. It was more gradual. It wasn't this switch moment. It was symbolized by a, a, a switch moment of him emerging from the tomb, from the rocks yeah. that were, you know, enclosed on him. But that is, I mean, a birth takes nine months. It takes <laughs> this time. Is a to, to make that simple, you know, a resurrection takes three days. So I can use that image as well. So yeah, I, I'm I'm good with it. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: is 
uh, Deborah Chow and the, and the authors and the, film, the the show showmakers have the similar a similar challenge to what I was saying about uh, some of the paper stories before. Here's something we know has to happen. We know Obi Wan has to go from this defeated. We've lost. Uh, you know, Anakin has fallen to the dark side. The Jedi Order is gone. To you must come with me to Alderaan, learn the ways of the Force, and become a Jedi like your father. You are the next hope, the new hope. And, you know, it, we, we knew that. We could predict it. It needed to make us feel it and experience it. And ultimately, I do believe it did. And so it really succeeded. And it did, and I don't want to preempt your notes too much, but it did in a surprising way. Again, we thought this would be a Luke story. We thought it would be about him transitioning from Anakin to Luke. Uh and there's Leia on the way, and and this big surprise there, and so uh, the way the way she is able to ignite this new spark of life in him was incredibly incredibly profound and incredibly moving, and uh, and ultimately well earned in episodes five and six. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So let's talk about some of the other um, ancillary. I would even call them ancillary characters, um, supporting characters. Uh, first mm -hmm. off with Anakin slash Darth Vader. Um, I'll start with this one. I think they did a, a really, really good job with Vader, especially towards the later half of, of the season <laughs> with really getting into his mind, especially with episode five, seeing the flashbacks, seeing how the connective tissue between him and Obi-Wan is seeing how Vader and Obi-Wan kind of see themselves through the force and, I think that was a really great way of designing that and, and seeing how Vader is maybe a part. And you put this earlier in, in the episode about like Obi-Wan kind of took an element out of Anakin. Ahsoka took an element out of Anakin and it was up to Luke to kind of redeem him completely to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. So as far as the show becoming Obi-Wan, I think it was really cool to see, to see Vader and to see him, you know, he wasn't played by Hayden Christensen all the time. But definitely in the tank and in the scene where he's like a specter out on the plains of Jabim and or not Jabim, but the other place uh, and to see him in the flashback and to see him under the mm -hmm. mask that was shattered. The, the, there's plenty of really cool, ample opportunities for them to show us again that, oh, yeah, Darth Vader used to be this like kindly teenager that just <laughs> kind of drifted to the dark yeah. side. Like it, he's still in yeah. there. And I think that was that was cool to see, like it's always hard. Like we read the comics and stuff, obviously. And it's like, how do you like tell a good Vader story when he doesn't have any expression? Um, right. And it's just like the, the behind the mask. How do you see that? And, and I think they did a pretty good job mm -hmm. with that. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I think, I think overall Vader was done, I would say pretty good. And, but it, he did have some flaws through the series. Like I think, I think the parts that he, uh, they highlighted really well were, you know, um, I think James Earl Jones's voice, he nailed it this time. I think it was much better than Rogue One. Um, and then the different sequences with Vader, like the the fight sequences, like I love seeing, um, you know, Vader really basically lay down like the like, like the terrifying Vader we'd expect, you know, when he's walking through the town, like choking the people, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, that's like the Darth Vader you would expect, like in real life, like if you were living in that in that town, like, you know, so that type of stuff. I think was really good for his character. And then of course, like his fight with Kenobi, um, both times I thought were done really well. Just the way he, the way he acted, even though to me, like some of the, some of the cinematography, cinematography of Vader in the, in that 
first fight was a little weird, just the way it was shot. Oh, and we'll as talk you about that. Yep, as you <laughs> mentioned, Chris, like, you know, that's that that to me, like stuff like that is is like, okay, you know, with Vader not having expressions, you gotta nail the cinematography and they didn't on some mm -hmm. of those shots. So like I think they did um some really good things and some shaky things with Vader. Like um like some of my other like issues, like this gets into like nitpicking territory, but it, I mean it has to be said because like I think like in the um the uh i believe the fourth episode is where they rescue leia from the base right mm -hmm. from, okay so yeah from the, so, okay. the newer. yep okay so so anyways like my my issue with vader in that episode like sure you have roken say like vader's in his ship or whatever like you know then it's like the question okay how's roken no but like vader like vader just even when he comes in and he's talking to reva like to me it's like I, I said it when I was watching it at three in the morning because I always get up and watch them at three. I stay up oh. all night, watch them at three. And then I, I, I think that adds a more critical eye to me, like when I'm half tired, you know, at three in the morning. But like, <laughs> I think like, like when Vader ch starts choking Reba, like I laughed because I was like, man, this is like Disney. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people like, oh, Disney Star Wars. But I was like, man, this is a Disney Star Wars moment. Him just like gently setting her down. Like, even though... <laughs> She, even though she gave him information mm -hmm. she wanted, he, even though she gave him info she, he wanted, to me, I feel like Vader in that moment, being angry, he still would have just chucked her aside. Like, you know, we've seen <laughs> him do that how many times with, you know, Imperials, basically, in the, in the original trilogy. Like, I think Milton brought it up last week or the week before, Chris, when, um, you know, in the original trilogy, for the um, Admiral Oslo coming out of light speed too quickly, he force yeah. chokes him across Skype basically. So like, you know, <laughs> you, you have stuff, you have stuff like that. And then you have him like gently setting Riva down. And it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So like, you have, you mm -hmm. just have some weird choices to me with Vader between like mannerisms and then like the cinematography. And then in terms of Anakin, I think all the Anakin stuff was done great. Like the flashbacks in my opinion was excellent. Like I can forgive the de-aging stuff. I don't, I don't care, whatever. Yeah. Like I think I think he looks fine. I think Hayden nailed it, especially in the um, in the uh, the scene with the broken mask. I thought that was done act really really well. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think with Hayden though, my issue doesn't have to do with anything we've seen in the show. I think, and um, correct me if I'm wrong in this, Matthew. Like I think with Hayden, I wish they would have kept the flashback stuff and Hayden. A total secret until that episode till we actually saw you know just imagine if we would have started that episode boom yeah. showing the flashback people would have went crazy because like my issue was sure you know you have this story throughout yeah. et cetera, like going on but to me they marketed the show like it was ewan and hayden you know like mm -hmm. hayden was going to be in it a lot and then he was in it for like probably eight or not eight minutes maybe like so to me it's like i wish they would have just not included him in marketing and just used hmm. him as a surprise because people still would have showed up to watch it kenobi versus vader like you know so that was my only other issue with it but overall i think the vader character was done um just about just as good as kenobi i would say he's right there right on par with the kenobi character yeah i i, I think with the whole hate that's interesting um I think the reason why they do it as well is because, well, they didn't officially acknowledge it, I don't think, still, but, like, he's going to be in Ahsoka, according to all the reports, so I think they're yeah. just like, hey, let's, like, he's going to be Obi-Wan, yeah. uh, people already know he's going to be in Ahsoka, so let's roll him out here uh, to Celebration yeah. and, and New York Comic Con and all these other events because we're trying to drum up that support for him because he's back yeah. kind of thing. 
not just with yeah. obi-wan but with yeah. other things you know what i mean that's where i that's how i kind of legitimize it but i get yeah, that, that that's I get definitely that. my head like, canon for that because <laughs> i get that yeah. it's like oh wait like most of the time that's probably not him in a suit like i've seen an image mm -hmm. of like there's a guy that just stands there and there's a guy that does like the fight choreography that plays there's two different vader uh stunt doubles yeah, yeah what about you matthew what do you think of anakin slash darth vader in the series so my, my favorite question in all of Star Wars is what is the relationship between Anakin and Vader? Like how would, yeah. and how does, how does this uh, make him the chosen one? If, he, if that's still a thing in Star Wars, which for, in some layer point of view, it kind of is. Um, and so the way it explored it was, was brilliant. I loved it so much because uh, you talk about uh, the memories. I, I don't like to use the word flashbacks. I like to use the word memories. Yep. Um, you know, it, memory is always selective and memory is uh this is how i think of conceive of this person in the present and so the way they tied that fight in that, that sparring in the course on temple in with this uh whole cat and mouse thing going on uh on uh, on jabim was brilliant because uh, you know obi-wan remembers both the lessons that he was trying to impart and Anakin's tendencies, Anakin's tendency to try and prove himself and one up and one up others, and uh, so he uses that as the strategy. Uh, you know, Vader remembers Obi Wan, this hard master who I got to beat and I got to defeat and I got to continue to prove myself. So uh, I really love the way they inter intertwine that, and then of course in Episode Six with uh, with the mask and everything. Uh, all back up, even with Episode Five with the thing with Reva. I, I mean, I, I get the point of you want maybe him to be a bit more brutal. Another thing he's remembering is that encounter. He remembers that encounter in the temple with uh, with Order sixty six and the operation. I forget what the operation is called to to ransack the temple and to kill all the Jedi. He remembers that, and he's remembering that as a foundational piece to his identity, a foundational moment to his identity as a Sith. You got to do something horrendously terrible to become a Sith, and so that's part of this. Um, and everything to do with the Inquisitorius. I really loved even you talked about cinematography, and yeah, I get especially that one scene that we again we'll talk about in a bit. You talk about the way they characterize him, the way artists characterize him in the comic books, and and I felt that in this in this series, the way he his mask be framed a certain angle and different shots and different you know, I mean, including the angle uh, with, with Reva on the ground, right. Uh, in, in in different scenes, in different moments, it felt very much like out of a comic book and the way they have to use those techniques to instill fear, to instill coldness, to instill dominance, um, and give a feeling of that. So I, I really love that. Um, yeah, it, to me, it, he's up there, like you said, with, with, with Obi-Wan. And um, I mean, you know, again, I'm I mean, here's the thing we're talking about. We talked about, is there going to be a season two? To me... I don't necessarily need one because mm -hmm. the only thing I really needed to see was that confrontation in episode six. Yeah. Uh, you know, I needed to see Obi-Wan make that hinge transition between he's more machine now than man or to that point. And we got that. And so that's, I mean, that's at the core. And again, it was like, I was talking about that move towards Luke and Leia as the hope for the future. So, um, I mean, I loved it. It love. I love how it left open this question, though, I mean, with with Anakin, 
and Obi Wan and, and and Vader's character question that I again I brought up with the comic book, Greg Pak comic book uh, a few hours ago. <laughs> that yeah, I mean Obi Wan Kenobi thinks he's gone, he's done, he has to move on potentially. At the very least, uh, friend Din was mentioning uh, he needs to let Luke make that own, his own conclusion. For us, it leaves open this possibility that he's actually still in there. He's still alive. Even to the point of wanting to absolve, and this is something Hayden brought up in the, the Q&A, wanting to, this really interesting moment of wanting to absolve Obi-Wan of the sin of letting Anakin fall, very much brought up the Kieran Gillen comic, the end of, uh, of that comic, oh. especially where we have that moment on Mustafar, that vision on Mustafar yeah. of, and of Vader killing Anakin. This is what Vader believes about himself. And that's the thing is uh, I keep coming back to is we see Vader trying to forget who Anakin is. And so that's why, for example, the only memories we have we see are of him sparring with Obi-Wan and then him ransacking the temple. We don't have any memories uh. of him in the Clone Wars because that is heroic, awesome Anakin who actually took care of Ahsoka and who actually liberated towns, liberated cities and, uh, you know, took care of the separatists and loved Padme, and loved Ahsoka and loved Rex and loved Obi-Wan. <laughs> and he's blotted that out. That I do think will come back in, in Ahsoka. I, I can't wait to read uh, Adam Christopher's take on that as well. But yeah, I loved what they didn't show as much as what they did show. That's a really interesting thing to say. What you, uh, what they didn't show versus what they did show. Um, a lot of you leave it up <laughs> to the imagination, read between the lines and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. come up your own little head cannon from here and there. Uh, the last big character mm-hmm. I want to talk about is the new character to star Wars. And that is Reva the third sister. So, uh, I'll throw this one over to Ben first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed her character a lot through the whole series. I would feel like from the beginning, I, uh, I thought she was done really well overall. I thought some of the writing around her was weird. Like the other inquisitors around her, I thought had some weird lines and just the weird, so, some of the stuff like that. But overall her character, I thought was done, done really well. I mean, she had good motivations. Um, I felt more and more like when we were going through the series, like it just felt to me, it felt like it was inevitable. She was going to turn good at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because like she, obviously she's not in rebels and it just felt like she, it was just inevitable. She's probably going to turn good, which she ended up doing, which I, you know, it's fine. It's like, Hey, I I mean, I mean, I expect that with um, some of these new, like villain anti-hero type characters. I mean, look, they basically did that with Boba Fett and I feel like it's going to continue. So um, with her, I was fine with it. I liked, you know, um, as you mentioned earlier, Matthew, like her being at the beginning of the show, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. And then overall, like, you know, as I mentioned, her motivations, um, you know, for like being against Vader slash Anakin, I thought were really well done. Like her interactions with Vader you know, that, that was another um, thing I didn't even bring up in the Vader topic was, like, I think her interaction with Vader was done really well. Like, the, you know, had, um, you know, props to, like, the all the people involved with the show on, like, you know, even though we've had Reva as a pretty cool character through the series, she still didn't chance, stand a chance to Vader in that fight. 
because like you know i would have had a big problem if she would have like got a slash it and then hit vader's shoulder or something like that would have been like whoa hold on here so like it's good they they made her character you know they slotted her character in like power level where she would be accordingly like you know if you rank all these characters so, like they did a good job with that mm-hmm. and then I think Moses Ingram's best acting in the series for sure was the finale. I thought it, her um, acting in the finale was done really, really well. And uh, yeah, I, I think her character was a, was a mm-hmm. really well developed, um, really well rounded character for the most part. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad see now that that's another t- thing I can bring up as well. I'm glad they turned her though, because you know, I'm sure you remember us talking about it, Chris, like throughout the weeks leading up to the finale or, to her potentially turning good it's like man she's really like a one-note villain like she's just like trying to be bad like if, if she's not going to turn good like this is just a totally one-note villain so like it's good they ended up turning her and uh yeah like having her at the end uh not die i thought was an interesting choice just because she knows about uh luke so like that's an interesting decision mm-hmm. and then to me uh it's also interesting. Did you guys see like this week? One of the writers did like an interview, and like she was confirmed. Like they confirmed she was gonna die. Like at the end there. So uh, uh, Nathan Beatty is name. He was the original writer um, who did the script, and then they reworked it. So um, you know, so it's interesting to me. I think you know, also leaving her alive also leaves the opportunity for the next season, like of her being a side character or something going on with her. Because uh, my thing, when it comes to a Kenobi season two, like, you know, as you mentioned, Matthew, like they, they wrapped it up in a way where you could just cut the show there and be done with it. But mm-hmm. to me, they left the door wide open as well, because, you know, you don't like fans. I feel like a lot of fans critiques of the show were like, Oh, Obi-Wan can't leave Luke. You know, he can't leave Luke on Tatooine. He can't do that. Well, they basically wrote that into the show now. Now he can leave Luke because he literally says to Uncle Owen and Baru, like, hey, you guys can protect him. Like, you know, you're, you're good. So, like, now they have their built-in in-universe reason. Like, so Obi-Wan can leave. Reva can do something. Like, I feel like they purposely left her alive as an opportunity uh, for another season, for another character versus, like, you know, so they didn't have to like come up with another new character for a Kenobi show versus like, Hey, let's just bring her back. So like, I think overall though, they did a really good job with her character. Yeah. What about you, Matthew? What do you think about Reva? Emmy awards, uh, Moses Ingram do the right thing. Come on. Uh, absolutely stunning performance, stunning all the way through just from her going. Yeah. Like you said, like the, the one note, but a pretty loud, screaming i want to get this guy i want to get this jedi why are we settling for the dregs moving on to i mean i mean that confrontation with owen you know very intimidating you're 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 a good man owen uh can you defend against me that very menacing moment Mm -hmm. two we see in episode uh episodes four and five you know i think episode yeah or episode five especially with her motivations why she has this incredibly twisted sense of justice, but a justice derived from this childhood me- memory from when she was too young to really understand and really be able to to work in what is actually right and who is actually wrong, um, and, and how every, that warped everything to the end where she has this moment of she could either 
become Vader who had killed her or who, who killed her friends, or she could choose a new path. And I talked about, you talk, we talk about redeeming the souls and save, saving her soul. Um, she could have done the thing that Vader thinks he's done to Anakin, right? She could have killed herself, right? She, there's a reason uh, that mm -hmm. Luke turns into the girl, into her, uh, you know, similar, similar in a way to Luke in the cave on, on uh, Dagobah, right? You, you could destroy your own soul or attempt to destroy your own innocence. Um, of course, no one's ever truly gone. No one's ever truly, uh, darkness hasn't truly ever overcome anyone as Anakin demonstrates at the end of Return of the Jedi. But uh, really loving it all the way through to the point uh, about season two. Yeah, I mean, in terms of in-universe, they could. I, I, I agree. They could do do it if they wanted to. I I meant more um, in terms of the narrative, the story, yep. what Obi-Wan as, as a series focused on Obi-Wan would need. I would love to see Reva again. I, I mm. think she would fit great in Andor. Uh, I think she might fit great in the Mandoverse sometime. Who knows what she's gotten up to? Um, yeah, I mean, again, Moses Ingram. Uh, I'll, I'm going to look, search out her other her other performances because absolutely stunning. Maybe maybe the best actor of the series as a whole. Okay. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I mean she got a lot of the nonsense. We don't need to give any any air to the nonsense. But yeah, it, it it's it's so the opposite. She was just it was absolutely convincing from moment to moment. Yeah. So I. I I like the character, then love the character. I, I, here's the thing with her journey, I, and I've, I like the performance of of the actor, but I feel like it was a little too, little, a little too late. Um, as far as her character journey, the motivation, I wasn't completely sold on it. Um, if I'm being honest, I, yep. I really don't know what happened in the last episode. I, I'm still trying to piece that together. It's like <laughs> she left the. The Empire essentially because they, they just left her for dead. So why does she care about Luke anymore? I was very confused about that whole thing. And then the matter was like that, like Owen and and Obi Wan would just like kind of let her walk away. Like like I like the idea that she is one of those Star Wars characters that like kind of like is bad and 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 leaves the past behind and doesn't die like Ben Solo or Darth Vader. Like she actually goes somewhere we don't know True. and she's not necessarily mm -hmm. turning good she's just turning her back on the empire and turning her away from this thing so she i like the fact that it's like it's not like all of a sudden obi-wan's like i'm gonna train you to be a jedi <laughs> like she's just gonna go and she leaves her lightsaber and just goes out and goes somewhere else uh so mm -hmm. for me i was just like i was a little questionable about uh, her path of getting there and her future path but i do like especially the last scene She's really breaking down the the first scene of the mm -hmm. first episode. She's all in o, uh, Owen's face. Uh, so there's lots of shining moments for her. Um, mm. And I like the idea. I love the the concept of somebody in the Empire trying to kill Darth Vader. And how yeah. futile we as the viewers know that could be. And seeing how that <laughs> played out. It's like, yeah, we know mm. how the story's going to end. And the fact that he actually does a killing blow on her was pretty interesting. I, I did not actually expect that to happen mm -hmm. because it's pretty visceral. Like, he just gets impaled by both her lightsabers. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, cool. Like, she's she's got she's got some inkling to go there. But, like, for me, I just... I was I couldn't get past the thought. I'm like, what, what's the point of this kind of thing? Yeah. Well, that, I, mean, that, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I think with her, 
I feel like there was definitely, um, I don't know, like, like, like I said, some weird writing choices around her, like the scenes around her, some of the scenes around her, I think were weird. Like just some of the way the inquisitors were interacting, just some of her other interactions throughout the series, I felt like is, you know, maybe where it's like, it's led you to like that conclusion, Chris. And then like my thing with the last episode as well is like, yeah, it's just, it's a weird ending because I think I mentioned it last week in our, in our review last week. Like I, it's the whole thing of, you know, does, is it like Obi-Wan and Owen feeling good in that moment right then and there? Like, it's like that, Oh, you know, she did a good thing. Like, okay. Like we we're good now. But then like, mm-hmm. What what happens a week later when Obi Wan's sitting there and he's yeah. like, "Oh man, I, I just <laughs> let this I, I just let her leave." Like, <laughs> yeah, like see, yeah. that's that that's what gets me. Or it's like that whole thing of like, "Oh, you know, you're having fun eating a whole pizza in one sitting, and you about an hour later, you're like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, I feel kind of ill right now." It's like it's just that's that what for dinner. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just that kind of weird, uh, yeah. like story choices where it's like. Mm. You, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It just it just makes things weird for the Rava character, in my opinion. Yeah, and and to kind of kind of close things up, uh, what I yep. like to do is look at a movie or look at a series at its in its entirety, seeing what we think the mission statement is of that intellectual property, yep. and if we believe that it succeeded in the story, it was trying to set up the story it was trying to tell. So uh, well, Chris, I'll throw this over to you, Ben. There you go. Oh, I, I was going to say, I just want to throw an honorable mention before we before we get to the message of the series. An honorable mention, I yeah. think the best actor of the series that portrayed the best character, I think, like, believable, nailed the um, the mannerisms of the character and everything. It had to have been Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. Like, like I think, yeah. I, I, think, I, think he, I think he, to me... Like I said, Obi-Wan's like an 8 out of 10. Vader's 8 out of 10. Reva's like somewhere 7.5, 8 out of 10 range. Like, to me, Owen is the closest. Like, he's like a 9.5 probably. Like, like I think Joel nailed that character. So, like, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he nailed the character perfectly. And um, Bonnie coming back as Baru was great as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so overall for the message of the series, I think they did a really good job delivering the message of, like, getting Obi-Wan hope back like you know as as we mentioned we have our mm-hmm. issues issues and and whatnot with the series here and there but like they did a good job of delivering their own message of like i would say getting obi-wan from the point he was like kind of like down not believing in the jedi etc to you know getting back into it and like having hope again like and you know they did a good job of that through multiple avenues really between leia seeing leia's, leia's character develop from the first to the last um, episode, like her character development, I think was done really well, which obviously helped Obi-Wan. And then seeing Reva, um, even though, you know, her character was kind of, kind of had some, had some hiccups in the story points, I would say, but, you know, for Obi-Wan's viewing her, like, you know, going from this youngling to where she was now to turning and everything, I think, you know, he did, uh, you, you know, they showed a good job with him, showing him hope, in that in that regard and then just uh you know just wrapping the series like with you know him having hope like through seeing like qui-gon and like getting getting you know you know basically like all that all that feel-good stuff by the finale like i feel like was a perfect like crescendo for obi-wan's character 
know, I thought they did a good job of that. And mm-hmm. then even even just delivering the message of hope for other characters in the series I thought was done really well. For example, like Uncle Owen just mentioned him. He went from basically being like, can't stand the Jedi. Like I, I <laughs> one, of, one, of, one of Joel's best lines he delivered was when he was saying the Jedi are vermin, et cetera, et cetera. Like that whole line in the first episode, like he delivered that so well. You can tell like Uncle Owen actually believed that. Like, you know, he didn't like the Jedi. So like, you know, seeing his character go from mm-hmm. that to, you know, basically being like, hey, you want to meet Luke at the end? Like, you know, that's showing his character developed really well and has hope for Luke and Obi-Wan in the future, et cetera. Like, you know, they did a really good job of, I think, laying down the foundation for that message of hope for these characters. Um, and for me, I, I would say they succeeded on that. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like the idea. Of course, like all Star Wars, it usually ends up with the the meaning of hope. So I think that's important yep. to, to find that theme and and see if it carries through, and certainly get a lot of hope with the way this ends. So yeah, I, pre- I appreciated that sentiment. What about you, Matthew? Uh, if you could pick one yeah. big message that this thing was trying to set up, and did it mm. did it deliver? I mean, you guys said it <laughs> perfectly. I mean, everything. I'd say hope in in the next generation, hope in what's coming specifically, because uh, with Leia, with Roken, uh, those two especially, we know, I mean, we know the role Leia plays in the the Rebel Alliance, and not just the Rebel Alliance, but in the Resistance, right? I mean, we see the makings of General Leia as much as we see the makings of of, uh, Rebel leader Leia. Uh, But even, even, even Senator Leia, whatever she ends up being able to do, uh, so hope in, in that things can actually turn around, even as in the midst of despair, even as we can look back and see, oh, this thing that happened with Vader was horrible. The thing that happened with the Jedi was horrible. There's always a way forward. There is always, to, to Ben, to take your, your point from the very beginning of this episode, there is always a path forward. And yeah. uh, there we go. There and we so, go. yeah, uh, they, I mean, even, even with Reva, there's always a path forward. I mean, we know with Anakin, there was always a path forward. We know in, in our real life here, things can sometimes seem very dour and difficult and distressing. In other words, to start with D, <laughs> I don't know, um, <laughs> damnable. But, you know, the way our choices matter our choices to come together and, and take care of others. Um, the way Leia is able to point out truth and the way that she's able to use her creativity, her size that people look down and it's not playtime, but actually <laughs> she's able to, she's small enough to get into the wiring there and, 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 and open up the gate there. So yeah, like you guys said, um, the, the force isn't done with the galaxy. The force isn't done with the Skywalker family. Uh, you know, the, yeah, it really did succeed. I think specifically in terms of the narrative, like I said, it's uh, they did su- they succeed by doing it by uh, really convincingly helping us feel Obi-Wan's transition from Anakin to Luke and Leia. Great. I, I really like that a lot, yeah. too. Uh, go with mine. I'm going to go take a literal approach. So when they first pitched the series, Kathleen Kennedy was there on Investor's Day back in 2020 of mm-hmm. December, I believe. And she literally just said, this is the rematch of the century. Um, and, and I believe at certain points mm-hmm. like that, like say what you will, 
But I feel like sometimes they almost like position a series to be like, okay, we're going to make the show kind of around the rematch. We're going to know that's the main marquee event. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and build the story around that. I feel like sometimes that's how the story felt to me a little bit. Um, so, but not only physically like lightsabers clashing, but like Obi-Wan trying to get his friend back once again. And mm -hmm. that worked to a certain degree for me. I still feel like I wanted a little bit more of a dialogue between Vader and Obi-Wan in episode mm -hmm. six. I felt like it ended kind of quick, but then I'm also telling myself in my mind, like, Obi-Wan has already tried to win Anakin over when he initially seen him on Mustafar. So mm -hmm. he's already tried really hard back then. He tried again 10 years later, and he's still not budging, so he's just going to cut his losses and say, okay, he's literally done. I'm walking away. But it's just like the selfish fan in me that was like, I want to see more Hayden and yep. Obi-Wan talking back and forth for at least like another three minutes. But it, for me, I was like, in <laughs> retrospect, it was well, like very quick. It was like, I killed Anakin. And I will destroy you. And that was like the whole scene. And then he just walks away. I was like, oh, I wanted yeah. a little bit more from that, but okay. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I completely agree with you, Chris, on that. Like, I think, you know, like you said, it's just the greedy fan and all of us talking at this point when yeah. it comes to stuff like that. But I wish they would have done a couple more cuts between the Reva stuff and like, I don't know, extended the Reva stuff another couple minutes and then extended the Vader stuff a couple minutes so you could do a couple more cuts, jumps back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, then you could interject some of those lines like, you know, Obi-Wan saying something more to Vader about whatever Padme like or something or, you know, something or another. Like just something mm -hmm. that give us a little bit more of Obi-Wan. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Obi-Wan's character is much more different than he was at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, I mean, hey, we, we all loved like chatty Obi-Wan during the Mustafar fight, like, you know, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth with, oh, with Anakin. Like, so I wish... I agree with you, Chris. I wish they would have maybe given us just a little bit more in that fight versus what we got if we had a nitpick. Yeah. So, um, you know, with that being said, like, did they deliver? I would say mostly on that front. Yep. I mean, the whole point of making a story in between uh, A New Hope and uh, Revenge of the Sith is like, okay, we're going to see the transition of Obi-Wan. We see him dealing with the trauma mm. of him feeling responsible for the defeat of the Jedi. Then we see him very jovial and hello there, you know, to, to Luke and, <laughs> and, and, and all those good things happening on the Falcon and just more of a cheerful attitude in general. Uh, so they did show that transition pretty good for the most part. So I was like, for the most part, it did, it did achieve that. And um, kind of to wrap up the episode, the discussion, everything, I just want to go around the room and just... You know, give your final thoughts, some things you like, maybe there's something you didn't like, and then we'll just give it a score out of 10. I'll throw it over to Ben. Yeah, for me, I would say overall the series was really, I would say it was good. I'm going to say really good. I would say good. It, it was a good, um, a really good effort at the series. Like they, they gave Obi-Wan a solid story, solid mission. Um, the new characters they introduced, like Reva, Roken, they were all done pretty well. Um, the only one that I thought was a little bit was a little bit mid was the Haja character. I wasn't a big fan of him, but, uh, but like overall, I think the series did a good job of delivering its message. And like, you know, for me, as I mentioned, there's some negatives in the series, like, you know, just some of the mannerisms of Vader, some of the creative choices. I felt like the, the inquisitors, 
you know, if you're going to have the Inquisitors in the series, I wish we would have had them do something. Like, mm. you know, at, at this point, it, it was kind of the whole Knights of Ren all over again. Like, yeah. cool-looking characters doing nothing. So, like, to me, I wish they would have, you know, potentially, like, I, I again, this is, like, just creative complaints. But, like, I wish we would have had something at the end. Like, if you're going to turn Reva good, like, forget the Luke stuff at the end. Why not have her fight the Grand Inquisitor or something mm-hmm. while Obi-Wan's fighting Vader, kind of like mirroring mm-hmm. Mustafar, mm-hmm. kind of mirroring episode three, Revenge of the Sith. So like just uh, just some weird creative choices. And then like other like um, issues with the series. I, I feel like Deborah Chow's directing, like I, I, it really started to air on me in like the second or third episode. I was like, man, I don't know. Like I think, I think she... I don't know. I, I wasn't a big fan. By by the time we got to the end of the series, I just wasn't a big fan of her directing style for Star Wars because I feel like there were a lot of like just weird cinematographer choices that, you know, obviously she would be she's she may not be the person holding the camera, but she's the one directing what shot to take. So like there were just some weird choices for like Vader, you know, sh- uh, I feel like all the ships were shot really, really weird and like, you know, just different weird um, directing choices and then even in the, the whole... Um, the fifth episode you know like you have obi-wan like go in and out of the building back and forth back and forth it's like okay what's what's going on here so like just just, yeah just just some weird (laughs) directing choices but Mm -hmm. uh you know those are my only really negatives for the series like i just i just felt like some weird directing choices some weird character choices but overall like i think the series was was good it had some um, good moments like obi-wan was great leia was really good reva was good vader was done really well like the action was done good um, we haven't even mentioned Tala or um, Tall. Oh like, yeah. Her, her, her yeah. character, her character was excellent. Like that. Oh yeah. She's right. She's right there with Uncle Owen with me. Like I think those mm-hmm. two. Are, actually, yeah, those two are probably the best acting for this series. Um, so you, know, you have things like that. Um, one of my favorite side characters. I love the fifth brother through the series. I wish we'd have seen more of him, like in action or something. And then uh, mm-hmm. I think the music slowly improved through the series. Early on, I wasn't a big fan of it. I think by the end of it. Especially the music in the Vader Kenobi fight, I think was really well done. But uh, yeah, overall for me, the series—if I had to rate it, I would give it a. Ooh man, that's a tough one. I would probably give this series a solid eight point four out of ten. Okay, eight point four. Eight point four out of ten. An eight point four. Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll actually take this one next. So. Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, had its ups and had its downs for me. Um, so I will say the out, the ups outweighed the good. Uh, things that were highlights for me are the character, obviously, of Obi-Wan, of Leia, of Darth Vader. Uh, I, I liked how the, the series started off uh, with just the tattoo. I like the pacing. I will say I like how fast it moved, and especially uh, through some of the first <laughs> locations and whatnot. I liked the introspective style of design of this show where it's just six solid episodes of just a very much like a character study, uh, which we haven't had anything quite mm-hmm. quite like this before. Uh, as far as uh, the, the, the action was good, um, I would say actually probably great most of the time. Um, lots of great mm-hmm. uh, lightsaber action in there, which we haven't seen in a while. Seeing like good prequel style lightsaber action we're coming off the sequels where it's more like hack and slash the, these are like guys that have trained their lives with lightsabers so it's like really cool to see the pros in action you know what i mean uh 
And so yeah, characters, uh, different things, uh, Easter eggs, all that good stuff. Uh, things that really held me back, and we really didn't talk a lot about that, is, is as you mentioned, um, the production side of things really just irked me a little bit. Um, a lot of people are throwing around fan, uh, fan filmy, and I can agree with that. It, it did third, seem the third episode. Yeah, it just seems mm. like um, the production design for me. Um, it just seemed a little lackluster for Star Wars. I'm expecting um, a six-episode series to wow me with locations, and it did. Like, Alderaan looked yeah. amazing. Tatooine looked amazing. Um, and that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, the, the other locations were just kind of barren wastelands, and some of them looked <laughs> like they were just filmed, like, in L.A. Um, but um, it just... It just yeah. it could have been more inventive. I, when, I, when I expect, like, the... The rematch of a century. I, I was expecting something a little bit flashier than them, just like surrounded by a bunch of rocks on a barren wasteland. I I feel like <laughs> that could have been amped up uh, a little bit, and, and and certain weird shots, as you said before, Ben. You, you know the ships. Like you never want to show a star destroyer from the side. It looks like definitely a fan film. Um, where it's just like that looks really. It really looks really cheap. Like the star destroyer go from. You can do that in a comic book. That's fine. Yeah. But for live action, it just looks like really weird to me for some reason. And like Star Trek: um, The Original Series with the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. But um, uh, overall, yeah. like, yeah, that 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 affected me. The music, I I feel, was a little bit lackluster. Um, nothing really stood out to me. And just like the overall cinemat cinematics, uh, cinematography, like, you know, there wasn't any like Last Jedi. And I, again, it's not a movie, but there wasn't any like shots where I was like. Oh, that's like Luke standing up to the First Order Armada on Crate, where you can see like everything in front of him, and he's just the one lonely guy. Like, there's yeah. nothing like huge and really cool, um, or not even huge, well, just like stuff well, like that Chris, where it looks beautiful from a certain frame and perspective. I don't know. Oh yeah, how to, to me, it's, say it, to me, like, it's you see the volume. Like, I feel like I feel like the more you know, we see we be exposed to it through Book of Boba Fett, through Mando, now this show. I feel yeah. like you sh you can almost see the volume, like they're film, like you can just see it. You know, you can see yeah. the background. It feels like sometimes the Jedi training thing. Clearly, it's a circle for a reason, right? Yeah, ah. <laughs> I yeah. didn't even think about that, but that's true. Oh uh, man, shoot, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, wrapping it up, I would rate this a seven out of ten. Um, I said, you know, I say it's good, not great, in my opinion. Uh, sure, is there room for mm -hmm. improvement? Yes, but it told a story from start to finish that it really comes down to how a series starts is really important and how a series ends is really important. If this last episode mm -hmm. didn't like tie things up nicely, my score would would have been even lower. But I'm happy to see from start to finish it did tell a story um, that made sense. Obviously, of course, it has to make sense, but it was also entertaining mm -hmm. along the way. So yeah, that's what I thought. Matthew, as the guest. Uh, you yeah. could leave us with your final thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series. And as the guest wearing a, a very Jedi-esque uh, logo, actually, this is the, the interaction he has with Jocasta New. If it isn't in the archives, it isn't there. The Jedi Temple. <laughs> Speaking of the Jedi Temple. Um, so, I'll, I'll, and I bring that up to, to admit a bias going in. Um, for me, the most interesting, my favorite, most enjoyable, most engaging stories about star wars are our jedi stories and so uh, you know mystical spiritual stories that again especially if they tackle the anakin vader question if they tackle um the interconnectivity between 
the prequel trilogy and the uh, or the late Republic era and the Empire era, <clears throat> showing it one coherent history. <clears throat> I'm always gonna just give them. They, they're always gonna get a bump from me going in compared to Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, which were great. But this is always I was always gonna actually enjoy the, this one more because I'm already more invested in that story. And so, yeah, I'll start with the the, the nitpicks. Sure, uh, you know, episodes three and four. The, the intense chase wasn't what I was, I was expecting. I was expecting more of what we got in episodes five and six, more of those memories and those uh, reflections. I That being said, I loved every single moment we had of a Padme recollection. Those mm. at least two or three moments where Obi-Wan is talking to Leia about Padme and re- remembering how, how wonderful and how courageous and how intense she was and how strong she was. Um, and how she, that as part of uh, his transition to hope is, is remembering, like, I mean, some of the way, you know, the, the way uh, Anakin is, his return is rooted in his love for Padme's son, seeing, he sees that. I think for Obi-Wan, his return to hope is, is in part seeing Padme's daughter continue on her legacy. Um, everything about, you know, connecting the, the, prequels to the sequel. Sorry, I guess I'm getting my, my nitpicks first. I'll get there and then I'll say how much I love the show. Um, yeah, I mean, in the chase scene, I can see people quibbling or, or, or being being unsure about the cinematography, especially with the, the shake cam. I think I forget what the technical term is for yeah. that. That I, I thought that helped show the chaos of action, but maybe people might have felt it was, it was kind of disorienting and destabilizing. That the one scene scene where the first confrontation between vader and obi-wan going through the the dunes or whatever i felt that was a little awkward um just where are they going what what are they doing he's hiding it out but we don't quite feel the intensity there but uh overall i mean again this is i talked about what i want in a uh disney era star wars story what i wanted in the obi-wan kenobi story was to have this showdown, this confrontation that we got in episode six, specifically that, um, and then specifically what it means for Obi-Wan's reflection. I've mentioned this multiple times, but for, for Luke and Leia, for, uh, yeah, for the hope of the galaxy and, uh, again, with the acting and, and I, you know, the music is, is different than what we're used to. It's actually a little similar to, uh, John Powell's score in Solo, so Natalie Holt has a, a similar influence there. Um, I, I mean, I, I I thought it was fine. I, I definitely, I mean, John Williams' theme really sets the tone of that transition from despair to hope that Natalie Holt, I think, brings out. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, you know McGregor's acting. We've talked about uh, Joel Edgerton's acting. I, I think the acting across the board was phenomenal, frankly. I mean, I even love Camille Nanjiani's character. The little bit of comic relief in there. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I could keep gushing about the show. It, it, it was the one for me. It was, you know, uh, the the prequel fan, the prequelist. I, I have the t-shirt, literally have the t-shirt um, to say this is the show that helps us feel and experience a continued connected history between the two eras in the galaxy. So uh, guys, I got to give this a 9.5. I, I got to put it up there, uh, especially again, and this largely on the heels of, of episodes five and six. Um, 
you know, what it finally, what it gave to us, what it showed to us, and how they communicated it so brilliantly, so effectively. It's it. Those two episodes specifically are going to be up there. I hate, I hesitate. It's a bit recentism, but eh, my, my all time, especially with Disney Star Wars so far, it's it's up there for sure. All right, so we got a seven, an eight point four, and a nine point five on Obi Obi One Kenobi. So we were all generally positive about the show, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's great that you know it's out there and it exists, and we finally have it because yeah. we've been waiting years for this darn thing. That's true, true. And it's, you know, literally months and years, and just years and years of you and McGregor saying, "Oh, I'd love to come back," and I'm waiting for their call from Lucasfilm. So. You know, it was originally a movie that it went yeah. to be a series, and, and you know, it, it's finally here. It's 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 crazy that we have a six episode series, and like you said, that takes place right between original trilogy and prequel. So it's almost like episode three point five, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it it has so much of that linkage back to the to the previous episode. But man, oh man, uh, very very long episode. One of our longest episodes tonight. Um, we got a little bit off on a tangent yeah. with the. With the paper cannon, as me and Matthew like to call it, uh, <laughs> yep. but it's all good talk, and, and I want to thank you once again, man, for for joining us on such short notice tonight. Uh, yep. It wasn't initially mm-hmm. planned, but we had a conversation about you bringing on later in the month, and uh, well, we got you in here a little bit earlier, and, and I appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on last minute, man. Yeah, great to be great to be here. Uh, you know, again, um, you know, those other dates wouldn't have worked as well for me, so this this was. I'm I'm glad to come on. I, I should say we got five minutes to go. Happy Canada Day, everyone! Uh, feel free to enjoy <laughs> it if you want. <laughs> hey, hey, there we go. Hey, yeah. Happy Canada Day for all the people uh, located in Canada. Simple enough. Um, like me, like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we have our Fourth of July, our Independence Day coming up here on Monday in the states. So. You know, a lot of people are already uh, on their longer vacation as of earlier today here on Fridays we're recording. So be safe for everybody out there um, that are going to the beach or going to the lake or whatever it is you do when you're not near an ocean or a lake. Um, just <laughs> out there for a picnic or whatever you're doing. Um, so we'll wrap it up as we always do. Uh, where can everybody go ahead and plug everything that you have there, Matthew, for Ion Cannon and where people can find you and what you're usually talking about online. Yeah. So again, the Ion Cannon podcast, E Y E O N C A N O N, not I O N, E A E Y E, like the Ion Cannon um, podcast. So you can find us on, on Twitter and Instagram at Ion Cannon Pod. And uh, every, uh, every Monday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, Joel Davis and I talk about largely, uh, these days reviewing and talking about uh, new books and comics that have come out. Like I mentioned on the 4th of July, it's going to be the first episode where I'm going to be outnumbered by Americans. <laughs> yeah. uh, quite, quite appropriate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're getting uh, doc Holocron to talk all about looking back on the crimson rain crossover. Um, we've done book reviews on brotherhood. We're definitely going to do one on shadow of the Sith. And we, you know, sometimes we talk about, about news and different things that are coming out. And or you know sometimes if we want to talk about Kenobi like last episode we did a uh, whole Kenobi centered episode and uh, things that come up uh, you know and bringing out the canon connections there talking about yeah like we talked about tonight you know the connections between paper canon and, and screen canon but also talking about you know my own background in, in talking about religions real world religions and 
politics and how that feeds into Star Wars and how that you know, Star Wars can help us understand those as well. So, uh, yeah, and me both, Joe and I, we've been going on uh, seven months now and, and going pretty strong, I'd say, and enjoying it. So there's that. My personal Twitter, at uh, NEUG485. Uh, my personal Instagram, at MNEUG1138. You know, some Star Wars in there, mostly soccer and a bit of Star Trek and a bit of other things going on, some church stuff there too. Um, and I do want to mention the Tractor Beam. That is kind of my spinoff from the Ion Cannon podcast. Every uh, every Thursday or Friday, whenever I can get to it, um, four to five minutes per per comic book. I don't really summarize. I'll say this. I don't really summarize the, the actual story. I do the publisher summary and then give my thoughts and feels and whatever. So it is kind of spoilery so i recommend you you read the comic and then listen to my uh my thoughts or check out chris's summary and thoughts first and then come over to mine <laughs> however you want to engage uh i mean i'd be grateful for for like and subscribe and, and if you if you check out all that stuff all right yeah no it was it was great having you on it was great getting your insight man because you have so much insight mm -hmm. when it comes to star wars lore in general jedi obi-wan mm -hmm. comics everything i i, I really mm -hmm. like your spin uh, on the galaxy yeah. far far away so once again thank you very much and uh ben what are you doing this week uh where could people find you as always yeah i mean I uh, I'm actually going down to West Virginia on Sunday through Sunday through Tuesday, so it should be fun. Going down there to visit some relatives and um, you know family we haven't seen in a while. And my grandpa's actually buried down there, so we're going to go down and go to his grave. And we're taking my grandma down there just so she can she can go down because she's not she's not like driving the best, I would say. So you know, so we're all going down and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So if that plans, and then I'm going to be getting back to lifting here really soon so you can find me on instagram at real ben maynard to like just follow along me me getting like super shredded over the next coming months and weeks ahead yes. and then other than that um you know my yearly fourth of july tradition is watching independence day like that's a that's a must for me like you know like oh. i mean hey what's what's better than what's better than bill pullman and will smith like uniting the world against aliens <laughs> like that's 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 great so always always a classic and that's always the uh the tradition every year watch it watch independence day people <laughs> well there you go as far as me on the channel uh as i said before you can expect my review of shadow of the sith coming momentarily if anything goes well, I'll probably have it finished by the weekend. Maybe even by tomorrow. We'll see. Um, but I'm pretty engaged with the book right now. So uh, we got that coming up. Uh, my comic book reviews will be coming up. Usually I would have them up by now. I was recording on Friday, but the store just uh, had a slight delay. But they will be coming for those of you that want to know and see what actually happens in those pages. Um, but everything else uh, will be back here next Friday at 9 o'clock. We'll be back with Milton. And uh, we'll be doing something here, whether it be news or something else. We'll see what happens. Uh, barring on any big-ass uh, breaking news, we'll, we'll have to figure it out then. But um, So for, uh, for Matthew, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, this was Outer Rim Transmission number 64. Thank you for joining us in Transmission.